When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 29 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union. But come on, everybody knows them better as DCU. And as the holidays are upon us, and the end of one of the craziest years on record is right in front of us, Now's a good time to look around at the good things that have happened this year. And some people have to try harder than others to see the good in anything of 2020. And for me, I don't have to look that hard because I just look at the DCU family. For over a decade, every time I have needed them, the Digital Federal Credit Union has been there for me. No matter what harebrained idea I had, they were always there to say, yes, how can we help you? And that includes launching the Mistress Carrie podcast. It's not often that you find a group of people who believe in you so much and that just want to do everything they can to make your life better and happier. And that's exactly what DCU does for me. And that is exactly what DCU will do for you. If you want to see how DCU can make your life better, just go to dcu.org. And I know They would want me to say, from the DCU family to your family, we wish you a Merry Christmas. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by the brand new MistressCarrie.com. The one place you need to go for everything Mistress Carrie. The Mistress Carrie podcast, cocktails in the war room, the all new events calendar that'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on, including right now, all of the live streaming concerts plus photo galleries, my blog, and the online store. So if Santa doesn't give you exactly what you were looking for under the tree, just go to mistresscarry.com and I can help hook you up. T-shirts, hoodies, beanies, pint glasses, coffee mugs, and so much more. All of life's problems can be solved at mistresscarry.com. Legal disclaimer, I'm not really sure if that's the truth or not. I was so excited to find out that Nuno Betancourt was going to be on the podcast. If you're born and raised in Massachusetts like I was, he was a local guy that made good. The guitar player from Extreme, a band that was literally there the first day I started at WAF as an intern in July of 1991. And Nuno and the guys have been there for me every day since. I wrote a college paper about them after I interviewed them before a show at the Orpheum. I can't count the number of times I've interviewed them over the years, and whether it's a charity event I need help with or an extra pair of tickets for a friend, the guys from Extreme have always been there. So I thought in the spirit of the holidays, now is the perfect time to catch up with Nuno. He may be from Massachusetts, but originally he's from the Azores and now a resident of Los Angeles. So I got a chance to catch up with him about the new extreme music we can expect in 2021. Of course, we had to talk about Eddie Van Halen, 
his family and how they're faring through the coronavirus. We talked music, growing up, the old days, some great WAF stories. We didn't even intend to talk that long. It just kind of happened. Nuno's living room got darker and darker the longer we talked because the sun was going down. But I'm so glad that we got to catch up and so grateful that he was so relaxed and open and honest and, well, you'll hear it. I love this episode so much and I am so excited to hear the new music that they are so anxious to release. Nuno's also a member of Generation Axe with some amazing guitar players that you may or may not have heard of. You know, guys like Steve Vai, Ingve Malmsteen, Zach Wilde, and Tosin Abasi. He's also producing a festival called Atlantis Concert for Earth, which is now scheduled to happen in July of 2021 in the Azores. And you may not know that Nuno has an entertainment company called Atlantis Entertainment, which is a full-service media and production company. And his new artist, Owen, recently signed a deal with Universal and Island and is planning on releasing an album in 2021 as well. He's a modern-day renaissance man. He's worked with everyone from Perry Farrell to Rihanna. And while you can take the boy out of Hudson, Massachusetts, you can't take the Hudson, Massachusetts out of the boy. So allow me to introduce you to Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Her hair is so lovely. Pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. This is Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to. Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'm recording you button now, so you know you're on the record, Nuno. Oh, no. How are you? Man, that's that's the question of the year, isn't it? (laughs) Right? Just 2020 being 2020. Yeah, man, look. uh, I'm good. Look, all things considered, man, no complaints. I, I, I... it's it's a crazy, it's a crazy yeah uh, it's a crazy year. There's a lot going on, but uh, in the midst of all these, I guess a crisis is what we want to call it. Crises, multiple Crisis. plural. Yeah. yeah. In the midst of all these crises, we we have to you know we we have to just this is we have to just take advantage of it and really and and figure out like what does this all mean to us and what can we do and and you know it, it, it's if anything it's given us a chance to look at ourselves in the mirror and go like we got shit to do. We got shit to work on ourselves, you know. And you might have some zits you didn't notice before when you start taking a look at yourself that closely. Absolutely. <laughs> the last time you and I talked, we were saying goodbye to WAF. I know. 
And I, I, I've made the joke a thousand times that that's what triggered the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> I believe it. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. It's, it's better than any other explanation I've heard so far. So I'll go with AAF going is what is the beginning of the end. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where when it was happening in real time, obviously for me, it was devastating. And now it's been, you know, 10 months. And I look back at it in one way, like it happened yesterday. And in another way, so much has happened since then. I feel like it was another lifetime ago already. And it hasn't even been a year. When you said that 10 months, I was just like, no, 10 years, maybe like yeah, 10 no. years. Like, February 21st. But this has been a black hole this year. It's like, it's, I've never, you know what I think is really bizarre about this year for me, uh, other than all the obvious. Other than the global pandemic, <laughs> aliens, murder hornets. You name it. But what's bizarre is I've never been in a position where I feel like I, it's been 10 years in one year, but it's gone so fast at the same time. Yeah, I'm so it's confused. really weird. You're, I feel the exact same way because so it's confusing. like- It's already December and I'm like, but yet I felt like December was 10 years ago, the last one. <laughs> and for you, because you're a California guy now, yeah. you guys have such predictable weather compared to New England that it's it's Christmas time and New Year's time <laughs> and 80. it looks the same out the window it's, as it did six months ago. It's 82 today, oh. like in December. I'm like, what is going on? That's even weird. That's not supposed to happen. We, were at, we literally drove by the beach up in Malibu just to get out somewhere because you can't go anywhere, right? Right. It's, it's apocalypse here more than anywhere else in this fucking country, it seems. But it's like we just go to the beach to find like a, a spread of a beach where maybe people aren't at. So you go and you sit there and it feels like, you know, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm walking the beaches. I'm, I'm going to find a, the Statue of Liberty covered half covered in sand from the Planet of the Apes back in the... Yeah, it looks like one of those <laughs> apocalyptic movies where exactly. it's like, what the hell kind of yeah. world am I living in? It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. And how you how, guys... I mean, you guys got snow and craziness going over there, right? Yeah, we got another four inches yesterday. We're yeah. definitely having a white Christmas this year, but... Yeah. I mean, normally I look forward to January and February because you know how it is. You grew up here. Yeah. That that the dead of winter is it. It kind of slows the world down a little bit, yeah. and you get those snuggle on the couch, hot cocoa, sit in front of a fire, movie days, and because there isn't that rush to to go 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 that you yeah. normally get when the weather's nice here in New England. So that's that's where you don't mind the extra 4 inches is what you say. You know, I'll take Sorry. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said that I like to go, oh, we got I got extra 4 inches the yes. like, hey. Listen, at this point, that, so it's 2020, let's take whatever inches you can get. Well, listen, you know, you may not know, but I got married a few months ago, which Did you really? Like, I, I didn't did. know that. Congratulations. Yeah, it was like the high point, the one high point of this year. I got oh, engaged. That's amazing. That's amazing. We got married nine days later. I had to do this crazy COVID, you know, <laughs> socially distant wedding. And then within three to four weeks, he was deployed for the year because he's oh, in the military. So the he's military. God bless him. Man. So he's out of the country. So listen, at this point, he's been gone for months. So I'll take like, any four I'll inches four I can inches. get. That's, <laughs> that's funny. That is so true. That is so true. For a guy that's used to traveling as much as you are as a musician, how has it been for you to be quote unquote stuck at home? Probably more than you've been home in years. Yeah, I think this is the first time since back in the 1900s when I was like 17 or anything that, <laughs> that I actually went a year without leaving somewhere. I mean, not even to another state, like not even driving to go to a gig, just not leaving, not getting on a plane. It's that's I think that's why the world has slowed down for me 
even though it's moving fast. Because we're used to like, the, the, the great thing about touring is touring. It's playing, it's performing. But the thing that's really scary about it, you go on the road, you go on the road and a year and a half feels like, like you go on the road, you're 45, then you're 52, like three years later. It feels that way. Because it's like a, it's, it's like this Groundhog Day-ish effect of performing for different audiences, different countries. And it's amazing, but it goes by. You live really, really fast as opposed to maybe something that you're used to that's uh, not so fast. Like at home, you get people are, people are binging TV shows. I don't know what that was. I have no idea what that is. I, could, I never had enough time to do it. It's not, and it's not a woe is me thing. It's like I'm, I'm blessed to be that busy, but I was always that busy that I've never been able to like, I watch two episodes of something and I feel like, I got to get to work. Like, this is that. I'm what a lazy ass I am. I got to get it back up in the studio and do something like, you know. Well, for me, when you work at a radio station, you're considered essential, right? So yeah. it doesn't, there was never, and you know, of course I worked for Ron Valeri for two decades. Yeah. So the idea of like, oh, there's a snowstorm. Oh, there's a global pandemic. Get to fucking work. Like yeah, get to work. I have an SUV with four wheel drive because it didn't matter how much snow we got. I was expected to be at the studio. It's you, you and the post office. Yeah. So for me, it's so weird being home because I built, by the way, welcome to MCHQ. I built a home studio. I, I heard about it. I heard rumors that you have your own studio, your own rogue. You've gone rogue and I love I've it. I've gone rogue. Love and it. it's so weird to be that person that gets to be home during a snowstorm because I've never done it. We always <laughs> slept in hotels at the radio station or slept on a cot in the studio because we had to always be there. So for me, it was like I wasn't on tour, but I never got to be home. I was always running yeah, around and it didn't matter if it was, you know, the marathon bombing or 9-11 or any yeah. kind of huge news story. I never got to be home and be on this side of it yeah. because I was always at the studio. You're always at the studio. That That's kind of like whatever you guys were such a part of the soundtrack to people's lives. So people's lives go on. The soundtrack has to be there. You know what I mean? Whether radio is like what we go to, to, to like, it's always there. It's like an old friend or, or somebody or a warning or security or anything we need. It's, it's connection. It's and connection. It, it's, it's really weird the way, and I don't just say this because my radio station is gone, but I watch the way that the world is changing and I watch the technology change and that connection is getting harder because more and more radio stations are syndicating and pre-recording. Yeah. And so you're not as connected. Yeah, in real at, time. In real time, like if you go to anybody and you talk about 9-11 or the marathon bombing or whatever, there's so many people and part of their story is, I remember where I was and I was listening to the radio or I was, the, when's the last time you, you heard somebody say, I remember exactly where I was when I was listening to that I know. podcast. Because it's not connected <laughs> in the same way. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not live. It's really, really weird. And it's, it's an adjustment that the world, on one hand, you've got Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these ways to be more immediately connected than yeah. ever before. And on the other hand, we're losing what I think is still such an incredibly powerful means of communication. I still love radio so much. I'm just watching it change and it's weird. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's hard. It, it's probably hard for me and you to know why we love it. And this meaning, uh, you know, meaning, meaning, is it nostalgic for us or is it the fact that it's like, there is a direct, like you said, I think the, 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 the medium has flipped that there is that ongoing thing now, but it's in a way of information. It's not an, it's not romanticized in the way of music 
and and conversation and and personal connection like yeah. you're reading tweets about something but you really don't have an emotional connection with no, the this, people that are tweeting no and it's just information it's, it, that becomes another way of news really it's just news it's yeah. not it's not you don't have a soul behind it you don't have somebody i mean even i remember this radio and even like even the way it's sometimes like some li- like live TVs like kind of gone in a way. I remember like watching Monday Night Football, which was a staple when we were growing up, and hearing about John Lennon being shot. I just talked about that the other day. Did I, you was, really? I was I was I was I remember exactly where I was. I was yeah. shopping in a department store with my yeah. mom because my dad wanted to stay home and watch the Pats play the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. And they made an announcement over the loudspeaker at the department store that yeah. that they had announced that John Lennon had died. And it, it's really funny you bring it up because I remember watching my mom who gave me this gift of love of music and the Beatles and all of that influence that made me the lo- music lover that I am today. And it was the first time that I saw someone cry over the death of someone they didn't know. Yeah. And I remember being a kid, I was eight, going, but you, you don't know him. Yeah. And obviously now that I've grown up and understand the connection and the meaning of these people in our lives, even if we don't personally know them. Yeah. What well, a I'm, powerful thing. What a powerful thing in radio is it, she was crying and most of us were crying because of radio. It wasn't because of John Lennon is because John Lennon came through the airwaves. That's how we discovered everything. That's how we listened. That's, that was our escape. Our escape was music and in the car, it, it, you know, people don't realize that music is, you know, I, I saw, I don't know if it was a meme or something I read and I was like, man, the next time somebody, especially through this pandemic, maybe you saw this as well. Somebody has something really clever. They had this, a bit of a, an epiphany going like, you know what? Next time anyone with a right, any one of the more normal people in the world, see a dude with long hair carrying a guitar and thinking that he's a loser with no life going, you know, like go, to do a gig or he's sleeping in or he's doing like an art season artist and tells him to get a fucking real job or do whatever. Remember who got you through this whole fucking pandemic and that's billions and billions of dollars of streams that everybody went through, whether it's even the artists, whether it's writers, TV people, like people that are that in the art world, when all shit goes to hell, what gets you through when you can't leave your fucking house or you can't, whether it's through Instagram, whether it's through anything else, like the music, the arts, the TV shows, I don't care if it's Tiger King or whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> all of it, it's entertainment, the producers, the people, the camera guys, the people that have that have, have not done the norm where everybody was like giving them a hard time when they wanted to do what they want to do, which is not be a, a doctor or be a dentist or, or be, a, be a cop or wh- whatever the regular thing was going to be. And man, I think this year really showed that how much the world relies on art and relies on artists and performers and, you know. Well, the, I interviewed the guys from Evanescence a few yeah. months ago and, and Will Hunt. Do you know Will, the dr- yeah. Will Hunt, the drummer? Yeah, I he don't know him very well, but yeah, I know him. Yeah. Super nice guy. I've known him for years. And he said something really profound because we were talking about how the entertainment industry was being disproportionately affected by the pandemic for obvious reasons. And he pointed out to me, and it's totally true, it's the United States' biggest export. Hmm. It literally is what drives this economy, is our culture, our music, our movies, um, our fashion, the entertainment, the television, the the digital streaming, it, it, it funds millions of people's livelihoods, but internationally brings in billions and billions and billions of dollars 
So when you start talking about the American economy, it's those long-haired guys with the guitar that are helping our big... It's not oil. It's not manufacturing. It's our culture. And that financially is... It's dying right now because of the music. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's crazy because I think I think I think this year, like I said, a lot of things that we have learned this year is you know we you know I'm grateful for. I'm not obviously I'm not grateful for. Nobody needs to be dying. Nobody the pandemic. Nobody needs to be getting sick. And that part of it is not is is, is horrible. And I wish that upon nobody. But. If we're not going to learn from all of this and letting people that are dying like in vain and not realizing that all the things that we love have been taken away, a lot of things, a lot of a lot of, of our little liberties, a lot of the a lot of the things that we take for granted have been taken away. It's a, it's it's a bad pop song. It's a bad love song. You know, we don't know what we got, so it's all that shit. But it happened, and everything from 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 going to see our our, our little clubs that. I, I looked at myself, man, I used to get annoyed because I got to go and do a jam somewhere and like, I don't feel like, now I'm like, it's Tuesday. I don't want to drive I'm all the way to go across down, town. Oh, you know, whatever in this gym. Now I'm like, man, I miss this shit. I miss those people. I miss even my, my acquaintances, my musician friends and people that they're not my family or even my family or the specific people in my family. It's, it's basically sorted out who we really give a fuck about and who right? we don't give a fuck about. And, and, I, and we won't say it out loud because even in blood. You know, like there's certain people that we think about every day that we miss. And then there's people like, yeah, I could do without them. Well, the, uh, it's cool. always been my belief that the, that there is a distinct difference between relatives and family. Yes. You're related yes. to people, but you don't yes. choose. But you can choose. There are some relatives that are family, but there's plenty of people that are family that you don't yeah. have any blood relation to. One of my closest, you're, you're absolutely right. One of my closest friends who, who, he passed away in a motorcycle accident, ironically, uh, a few years back, three or four years back. But he gave me this little wood plaque because he realized our connection because we weren't blood and it, it was it's, i can't even see it from here but it was basically what you're saying it was saying that that it's uh you know that family is not family has nothing to do with blood blood relatives are relatives blood yep. relatives but family is so much deeper than just somebody that because it's like it's like saying that my dad was you know he, yeah he was a father but you have to earn becoming a dad yeah you know what i mean it's the same thing with family family is something that I trust more people outside my family with my own kids and the key to my house or anything than I do some people in my own that are related to me, without a doubt. And I'm and if they listen to this, I'm sorry, but you don't know who I'm talking about, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to believe you're the good ones. Well, listen, for anybody that's listening, your family's so big, you're related <laughs> to half Nobody of Massachusetts. <laughs> Half of Portugal and Massachusetts. I mean, really, it's your family's so freaking big. It's amazing know, that you I can know. even name them. I, I, and you know what? And I've lost track already. I've lost, I can't anymore. I'm 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 54, so I'm like I'm like that dude. Whatever that dude is, like, let's send him a gift. Speaking <laughs> of family and and kind of trying to point out your flaws and learn things from this year. Yeah. How has it been being married and being a dad? It, it's got to have changed how you how you are in your relationship and also how you're a parent because not only are you home all the time, but you have to parent through something that is unprecedented. Yeah. How do you explain this to kids? It, well, let me tell you something. I'm at the point where it's like, before we get to the, the kid part of it, let's talk about the selfish part of it. Like my dream when I was younger was like, legally, I fucking never wanted to go to school. And now they're saying, stay home. Dream number one. We got, we got so we got screwed. We Stay got home. Screwed. You don't have to come in. Like legally, it's against the law for you to go into school, which is like my dream to not. And then the second dream is like, and you can smoke weed all the time. You're at home legally. 
We like, totally got home. man. Screwed, we were born man. too early. <laughs> what the fuck? Everything we wanted became like reality. And, and my son's like, I don't, I don't even want to smoke weed. And I would prefer to go school. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is our dream come true. As a <laughs> it's my generational dream. But but you're right, though. Back, back, back to the truth. It's like my son, who's actually, I felt bad for him. He's a senior in high school and he got his junior year taken away from the half of it. And then now, and he's probably not even going to see his friend or graduate with anybody or even be part of like finishing what I call the prison sentence for all that whole long. But what him just moving on in life and going like, Oh, that, that's it. Like what just happened? Like it's like whole- a closure thing. All of those, the yes. graduation, the yeah. prom, these are all milestone things yeah. that kind of, they mark an achievement in yeah, life it's, it's and, a, a, and a change kind of from childhood to adulthood yeah. in a way. It's been hard, man. It's been hard because he hasn't been able to really see friends, make friends. Like in LA, it's really difficult in that respect. Everything is shut. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And and it's and I feel bad, but it's been so difficult because I'm trying now to be a friend more than a dad, which is really difficult because he's 18. And, and, and he's, you know, he was 17, 16. It's like, it's like, yeah, dad, I mean, I, I know people think you're cool and shit, you know, because of what you've done and everything, but come on, man. I, it's like, I, I speak a different language in you now. Like I, literally, it's like the shit that he's saying to me. And it's like the stuff that's a different, it's a different culture. And he appreciates, yeah, man, let's go, let, let's, let's get on bikes today. Let's go for walks. You know, let's hang out. And he's like, this is great. But it's like, man, this is, this I just is want to get on TikTok. Yeah. It's, it's a TikTok and, and see my friends and, and now it's like people hang out and they game through all this all this whole world and that's how they hang out. Even when they're in school, they rush home to hang out. They weren't going virtually to Virtually hang yeah, out. Yeah, virtually hang out. It's like, I haven't seen my friend after school in three months, but we hang out every day. It's, it's nuts. It's crazy. I know. It's so different than, yeah. than it, I mean, imagine this happening when we were that age oh where like you and I wouldn't be talking right now. There would have yeah. been no connect. You would have been stuck in the hallway on a corded phone trying to talk to like oh a girlfriend God. or something. Yeah. With an extra long cable. You'd be watching the three networks. And that all you, would do, you would be plotting your whole summer on how that one time I could hang out with that cute girl that I like just to make out for like an afternoon. <laughs> if, if that's possible, just once this summer, if I could pull that off when I was 13 or whatever. <laughs> but now we're just like, you know, it's just all this, like, we're telling, we're just sending pictures, naked pictures to each other about, yeah. about what, it's like, it's, that's it. And, 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 the, and the funny thing is, it's like, um, you know, it, it's, 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 I saw, I saw the perfect, the way to describe it, it, there was no text or anything. It was literally a split screen of my generation of like the mom, it was the same house, but it was the mom at the front of the door, pulling the kid in by the air to get in this house. And then it's today, the mom pulling the kid by the ear, get out of this house, get outside. It's like flipped. Nobody wants to leave now. My, my son's like, go outside. I go, you haven't gotten any air since. Because I'm fine. I open the window. I open the window. It's good. I'm like, I'm good. I talked to Morgan from Seven Dust a few weeks ago, and we were talking about our parents and, um, you know, kind of like what you're talking about. And I said, Morgan, when I was, when my mom was my age yeah i was on the air at aaf <laughs> partying with you yeah and i thought my mom was so old and yeah. completely out of touch and now yeah here i am at that age going your mom <laughs> I, yeah and i'm like holy shit like a she wasn't that old and b which is what Morgan and I were joking about. We thought our parents kind of had it all figured out. And now I realize like my mom didn't know shit. Yeah. 
We because I a, don't know shit at this age. We thought a 30-year-old was old. We thought, you're 30? Like, gross, man. Like, <laughs> you're old, man. Like, 30. Now, now I'm 54. Wow, did I just say 52? I'm trying to deduct you're years trying. for COVID. It doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not accepting the COVID year. I'm yeah. doing it as a little <laughs> It goes I back I want to do year. over. Give me a mulligan. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's like you really believe. You're like, oh, my God. When you are late teens or teens or even like early to mid-20s, you're like, man, older people in their late 20s and 30s and 40s forget 50. How are you even breathing at 50? How are you walking at 50? You're looking at a person that's 50. But a 50-year-old never would have looked like you when we were growing up, <laughs> no, right? No, it that was has like, changed. That has changed. That Like the golden girls were like in their <laughs> 50s on TV. I know, I know. Because I remember, I remember going back. I remember definitely, I don't know what was happening with me or if it's rock and roll. Or we, it's arrested development, I believe. I've been doing the same thing since I'm 16, 17. So I believe we, the more we believe, we, we just stay doing it. We, we, we stay there somehow. It helps us not age in weird ways. But it's also arrested psychological development, <laughs> which is bad. Especially if you're trying to raise kids and shit. But it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, if you keep doing it, I, I, I remember... I knew it when I hit like 25, 26, and I was an extreme kind of selling records and touring and stuff. But I remember going back to Hudson and seeing one of my high school friends, and I'm like, he's my age. Why does I feel like I'm talking to a 50-year-old right now? And he looks like a 50-year-old at 25. But and, and I don't mean that in a, uh, in a in a surface way. It's a psychological way. Yeah. Like that you're just like, that's it, man. I'm fucking- you I know, settled I'm, down, I'm had done. kids, I I've had my got kids, I'm doing construction. I'm like- I fucking, I got season ticks of the Pats. And there was a part of me that first couple of years that I would go back and see my friends, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not like, like that. And then I'd go back up to touring for like, it is not like I'm fantasizing of the bliss that my friend now was at Papa Gino's would be sitting across and he's, he just wants to hear about my crazy life. And then I go, what are you up to? He goes, dude, man, I'm good, man. I got season tickets to the past, man. They're playing the Dolphins this week. And I just, and I was so, I wanted to be that at peace. That that was yeah. enough for me. Like all I'm doing is like traveling everywhere, trying to find that peace, that peace of mind. And it really is not at Papa Gino's with Pat season tickets. That's it. That was it. I mean, my favorite ziti, my a slice of pepperoni, and the Pats. What could be better? I don't Seriously. even know. Seriously, I don't even know. That's and it's like it was the same thing. You know, when I was uh, when I was in the Azores, and we lived when I was. Born there, and we I, we left. When I go back there now, a little house, twelve of us in a two bedroom house, like poor us, across the street from the water or the beach. There's a beach. There's no house, and we moved to to America, to to For the a better land of, quote unquote better life, better life, land of opportunity, to work till we're like sixty, to go to home. make enough money <laughs> to buy a house on the beach. What the hell were we thinking? What, what was going on, man? It's crazy. I talked to a lot of people, um, I, you know, between military personnel and musicians, they're the most well-traveled people on the planet. Yeah. Um, you are an immigrant because you came to yeah. the U.S. when you were four from the Azores. Yeah, youngest of 10. So youngest of 10, which is just, which is why when I say you're related to half the fucking state, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are. We have no choice. But for people that might not know kind of what the Azores are or where they are or kind of what the culture is like. Can you talk about that? Well, I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those Other things. than Google, like your perspective as someone that's been from there and goes back often and has family there. Look, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you can either go back home and we always want to, I don't give a shit where we are. When we're kids, we can't wait to get out somehow. We can't wait. This is bullshit. This sucks. And it takes a while before we realize that, 
what we were looking for, what we had was always in our backyard in many ways. You know what I mean? As family, friends, and but even where we grew up. And, and the Azores for me is just, if anybody ever goes, I always tell people, it's horrible, don't go. I don't want anybody to know about it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the worst place on, on earth. I heard I the cheese and the wine are terrible. Yeah, horrible. The people are horrible. No, they don't give up their own beds for you. That's, 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 that's folklore. <laughs> but yeah, they, 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 it's just, it's just a, a nurturing place. It's a healing place and the people are amazing. And uh, every time I go back, the reason you know you're somewhere great is, is you don't ever want to leave. And every time you bring a new friend or extreme, bring him there for the first time years and years ago, nobody, everybody's like, Where, why would we leave here? Like, let's buy a house. Let's, let's rehearse here and then we'll go on tour. You know, like, so it's that kind of place. It's beautiful. There are nine islands, nine completely different islands with different, the people are different in each island. And uh, they're all beautiful. And, and you know, look, I'm, I know there are assholes there. I'm not trying to make it sound. I'm sure there There's are. There's assholes everywhere. There's assholes everywhere. But in generally, culturally, it's a, it's a, it's visually beautiful. It's warm. The food is amazing. The wine, everything about it. And, but and it's, it's a, in the the islands are in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle of the Atlantic. A lot of people think because it's Portugal, they think yeah, it's like yeah, that's right over there. You know, you look out the coast and you see you see Catalina Island from LA. That's the Azores. It isn't. It's basically if you have Boston and then you got you know Portugal, you got Europe, Spain, you got it two thirds of the way. Not like just a little over half of the way is part of Portugal that shouldn't be almost like part of Portugal. It's in the middle. It's its own place. And it's nine islands, all different. And you should, if you get a chance, go there. Go go and visit. Everybody that I know that's ever been that isn't from there, like you and your family, that just yeah. says it's one of the most beautiful places they've ever been and yeah. that the people are amazing, the food's amazing, the scenery's amazing, that it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's 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 that hidden gem. It's 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 a... That's why I don't even like, you know, I tell people, I don't even talk about it because it's like, I don't, I kind of don't want it to change. You know, it's already changed a bit, a little bit, but I want it to stay as beautiful and charming and kind of cool. And progress is always, always, always a bit difficult, but, uh, but you still go back and the warmth is there. And the only way I can describe it is like, if you went there and your husband went there, you instantly would feel like, am I from here? Like, why do they treat me like so nicely? And why do they, why, why are they so warm to me and giving? And when you go to a restaurant and everything else, it's just because they want you to, they make you feel like you're going to see an old fa an old family or an old friend that's been there waiting for you forever. It's like everybody I've ever brought there has been like, I want to, I, I know people that have gone back, bought houses and that's, they just don't want it. They want to leave it. And instead of, you travel the whole world. I thought it was just me because I was from there, but I spoke to somebody earlier that just went back a year ago for the first time and they they're a couple they've traveled the world a billion times and the first place they want to go after the pandemic is the azores that's how it, because you know what there's places you can go that are beautiful but they're not many places that you can go where you remember how it made you feel when you were yeah there. everybody can go to a beautiful beach or beautiful thing but it's like man how it made me feel i don't want to leave i love it here you know and and before i say anything there used to be we grew up on there with a military base it's the Azores is is one of the most strategic places on the globe for the military. Why? Because it's in the middle of Europe. And every time I remember we used to see like when Obama or Bush would stop, they would meet there at that army base on my island in Tuseta. And that's where it was an American base. So that's how my family, all the music got to us, the Beatles and everything else, is because my brothers used to play on those bases when they were like 12, 13, 15, entertaining the troops and playing Beatles and playing all the the stuff in the 60s and everything else that, that was coming out. So that's how music 
between my father playing every instrument, but my brothers used to play on the bass and they used to perform and they had a band called Sombras, which is the Shadows. And, and they used to play all that stuff, all the rock and roll stuff, Cream, everything. They play it for everybody. They, that's why we kind of got a little bit popular on the islands and everything because we were the band. We were the, the house band for the, for the island, so to speak, you know? It is amazing that musical ability and it, it has been passed through the generations of your family. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it, it's, it can't just be environmental there's got to be something in your dna to pass it the way because it's not even just an appreciation for music but it's the ability yeah the wiring of your brain allows you to do that yeah i i think look i think i think our, our dna in whatever families we are there are things that there are things that we like i would have loved to have pitched for the red sox but it just wasn't gonna happen you know what i mean <laughs> you were gonna play guitar i wanted to play soccer for like you know the bit you know the club in portugal and benfica and all this stuff but no matter how much you went there, it's oh my, my knees got all ripped up. Like I guess I'll pick up a guitar, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, I would. I would love to be a lead singer, but I got given this voice that sounds yeah. like I've been gargling glass since I was eight. Exactly. You sound like you're on the radio. Like I don't. I I my I sound like the guy you're interviewing on the radio. I don't have that <laughs> voice for the radio, and I don't have that personality. I don't have that that comfort. Like seeing you in front of a microphone and talking, just like I can't imagine you doing anything else. I know you could. And I know you could learn to do something and you you would be good at it, but there are things that are just natural to us that we, that we go, we have that moment, that, that, uh, that moment that we go, this is mine. This is for me. This is where is my home. This is where I belong. As, as much as I try to do other things, you get on that stage, you pick up a guitar and you're like, I'm home. This yeah. is my bedroom. I'm home. Have period. you passed it to the next generation? Does it continue? You know what? It continues, I think, in different ways. I think, I think, uh, you know, my daughter, my daughter, who's, uh, just, who I'm proud of, in her early 20s, she just, she's, since she was little, yes, she could play music, she could sing, she has a voice, but she just did a role in a film with Eric Banner. She, she, she loved acting. She always had an imagination as a little girl, always spoke, talked to herself, set things up like it was a performer. She was still a performer, but she wanted to perform in that way and, and, and be characters and, and play roles and do these things. And she's been doing it. And you can tell that's, that that happens as a kid in your DNA because now she just did her first film called The Dry that just that, that, that New Year's Day is coming out in Australia, a, a big film there. And she just did her first TV series as well as a lead in a series that and she just got a, a role in a Netflix series as well. And she's just and I, not with my help. She, it's just who she is. You know, she's doing it. And both her parents were singers and, and were musicians. And she can sing. As a matter of fact, it helped in the movie. She sang. She, she did a song at, the, at a fire pit in a movie which she sang and everybody's like, what the hell? And she had a beautiful voice and it became this song in the trailer, which just her haunting voice doing this, this version by this fire pit because it's a drama. And she, she I'm not going to say what happens to her, but something horrific happens to her. Probably something I've been wanting to do her whole life. But finally, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get You to get to live it. vicariously through the character That's in right. the movie. That's right. Right. How young were you? Like, I remember when I was a kid walking around, I had my parents bought me a cassette recorder with a little microphone. Yeah. And I used to walk. I mean, I think back to it now and I'm like, oh, my God, I used to, you know, I got in trouble because I was I was a kid and always was curious what parents talked about when they kicked the kids out of the room. So I got some tape and I hid my microphone in a house oh plant and I bugged my parents' living room. So when their friends came over and I got bagged because I was an idiot and I went in the room to flip the tape thinking I wouldn't get caught. But like I look back at how young I was. Do you remember when you picked up the guitar the first time? Yeah, look, first of all, 
Are you trying to tell me that you're an agent? You double up as like a you're undercover, yeah, I'm you're in undercover the CIA. DJ? Undercover yeah, DJ? I'm like Julia Child. I'm working for the CIA on the <laughs> I side. Wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> perfect cover, perfect cover. But from for, look, for, for me, I, I think in your situation, it's, it's more of the... Uh, you know, you didn't have to be the youngest. The 10 kids were a lot of shit. I'm the oldest. It's, yeah. it's different. It's different. So the thing is, is like in your world, and I think in most kids, probably even with my kids, there are things that happen there. You, There are things in your house. You, you, there, you know, you can play music on one thing. There might be a piano, television. You get gifts that like, you know, Mr. Microphone. <laughs> okay. You get certain things and then your kids just whether you'd love them to do that one and pick up the hockey stick, they might just go, no, I don't like this thing. And you're like, oh shit, he's not going to play for the Bruins. Damn it. <laughs> and, and, but yet they'll go. And it's like, next thing they do, they're, 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 they're playing Scrabble or some shit. And then their mind, it's about their mind and, and they're creative in that way. And actually, you know, they're, 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 they're reading poetry. It's like, and you're like, that's it. You got to just, you put the tools out and you guide them. There's nothing you have to, parents. like, I don't have kids, but it's kind of your job to expose them to everything and kind yes. of let them pick their path, right? Absol absolutely. You got to do, you got to guide them because, but most parents don't do that, unfortunately. And a lot of parents, I know they just, they have their dream already set for what their kid's going to be. It's awful. And they, my like, mom wanted me to get into medicine because she's a nurse and my dad is a paramedic and she's, wow, you'll never of be, course. you'll never be out of work and you'll, you know, and, and you, I get that you always have a job. And I'm like, I have the bedside manner of a sledgehammer. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to do that for a living. Take the fucking meds now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but so my son, you know, you know what it's like having kids that my son will get on the piano because like, yeah, he wanted to try it. I'm like, Oh, cool. Let's try piano. And then he gets on it. And he's reading, I don't read a note of music, but he's just like, all right, something's wrong because he's playing full classical pieces like within two weeks. So he's got the talent and the air, but he's doing something I don't know that could get in the way of him being a musician. He's got a brain and he can calculate things and he's reading all this complex stuff. And then that's when I realized that's not, he's not, it's not the music. He's going somewhere where the brain, he's advanced in that way. And he did. And he was like, he could play the shit, which, and I said, you know what? Just because you can already play all that, like you said, Use it as a backup. You want to be in a cover band and make some money while you do the thing you don't, while you want to do, use that for that. Just at least now you know it, you know it. Great. You got a, you got a little back pocket thing. You can play flock of seagulls, hold one note on, on, <laughs> I, on Iran, like the video and flip, use the other finger and do that. But yet you go and do what you want to do. I don't know. He's, he's like probably going to design video games and shit like that because his brain is there. You know, that's where it is. And, and you can't hate him for that. You got to like push him towards Yeah, it is what it is. Because at the end of the day, as a parent, we, we I believe, I don't want to say it's a fact, but it is a fucking fact. The thing, our job is to make sure that we guide our kid to a happy life. Let him be happy because we know that none of us like sitting in a traffic miserable to a job we don't want to go to. Can you imagine? And well, remember probably, when we were growing up, it was like, it was like, if you didn't go to college, you were a failure. Like that was all, oh, yeah. there was never any, you know, like, what are you going to study or what do you love? I grew up in my family's Sicilian bakery and my choice was work in the bakery or go to college. Yeah. And, so, and wow. I was the first person in my family on both sides to go to college. Yeah. And it was almost like whatever you were going to study was kind of secondary, but that, but that goal, that milestone of going yeah. to college. And now it's like, there's so many people that went to college that are working at Starbucks with a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in student loan debt. And yeah. it's the guy that went to the trade school that's fixing their toilet for $400 an hour. That's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And I think, and I think the best way to, I, I'm of the belief that no matter what that is, whether it is going to college or whatever it is you're studying or whether it is 
you know, I, I dropped out of high school at junior year because I was in three bands. There's just no way. I, I knew no matter what I was going to do, I honestly knew, I knew that I didn't hate school. I knew that it was useless for me. I was, I was, in, I was on my, in charge of my own education. I was playing four instruments by the time I was a junior. You know what I mean? I was playing drums already. I switched to bass. I played whatever. I was ditching school in my basement, pretending I was catching the bus so I could just play all day. And it wasn't just an obsession. It was like, that was it. It was decided. I had no fucking choice. And I knew that that was my education. And I could, and by, trust me, in, in the summer, I was making more money than my sister was who went to, to university because I was playing in weddings to make money. And it was good money playing two or three weddings you know, a, a week. And I was like, yeah, laughing all the way to the bank going like, <laughs> I'm a teenager and I'm making more money than my sister is. What the hell's going on here? Because I worked hard at that craft to be able to do that. And but still you don't play, you don't read music. I am shocked that no. with all of the ability that you have, that you can't read music. No, I can't read a note to save my life. And it's not, and it's not just because I didn't want to, I tried. It's you have certain skill set that you have. And I believe that you're either visual or audio when you're a kid. I noticed with my kids, they're either, they hear shit and they go, boom, it's like, the matrix you either see it and they go like and you're like how did you just how did you just look at that and do that i can't i so i knew that i could read the shit out of anything but i'd have to read it five times to comprehend it i had bad reading comprehension as a kid so i could see the notes and i could do it but i couldn't connect the two from here to the guitar and i couldn't make that happen but i could hear the shit and i could play that thing back to you so fast that you'd be like how did you just play that like how do you know to go there and play I don't know. I don't know. I just, I can hear it. So my gift was audio. Like I could, I, I, everything was done by my ear. And the reason I know this is because I wanted so badly to read music. I wanted it so bad. I, I even went, there was a, there was a, a conservatory in, I want to say Lemonster, Fitchburg area. Oh my God. I'm now sorry. you're in my neighborhood. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it now. And I hate that. I can't remember the name of it because it was, that's, that's when you know you're getting old. But they had an after hours for people who couldn't afford to go to the conservatory the same professors, the same teachers would maybe teach an hourly class. I'm like, great, I'm gonna learn classical guitar because I wanna play like this, I wanna play proper classical and I wanna be able to read. I start doing it right away and this guy's showing me and I'm like, he goes, wow, at playing, you're pretty, because I was already playing guitar. He's like, you're pretty good. And he's like, great. And he's like, here's your piece of music, here's what you're learning, I'm gonna teach you the notes, whatever. What do I do? He goes, here's your thing for, thing for the week, I come back next week, I'm playing it for the guy and I'm killing it. And, I, and he's got the pages and he's doing the pages. And he's going like this. And this dude goes, sounds great. Too bad you're already on the next page. Oh, bagged. He, he bagged the shit out of me. Because the second I learned it, slowly from reading the notes, my ear took over and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm playing the shit out of it. And he's, he's fucking with me. And he's going like, because he goes, he goes, this isn't for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, this isn't for you. This is not for you. What do you care? You just, and that's someone, three sides to every story in extreme. And I'm sitting at Abbey Road with a 70 piece orchestra, I'm the one that arranged it, arranged all the parts. I knew what I wanted them to do, I knew what I wanted the strings to do, but I had to bring a guy in, which is fine with me, to put it to paper, what do I care? What do I care, it's gonna be what I created anyway, so I said, this is what I want the horns to do and whatever, and I played on a keyboard, or playing a guitar, and he would just be the nerd that would go like, and do whatever, and then it was just this massive thing, and it didn't matter, because when I was in that room, and I walked out into that big room at Abbey Road, and he had he allowed me to lift that first baton, which I didn't know what I was doing, and and on my music and let that music happen that only seventy people could make. I had to leave the room. I was in tears. I didn't know what I was doing. Supposedly, I, I didn't belong in there. 
You know what I mean? Even to the point that when I was in the control room and I said something that the section wasn't playing it the way I wanted it to feel, and I going through it, and they're supposed to only go to the conductor, but the guy left the thing on to the orchestra, and I said something after the third time, it's just, can they pull it back, like the pocket, because you can play it ahead, you can feel it. And I heard a couple of the dudes laughing at me explaining it. And I went out, and I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> and I was like, I know you guys don't believe something, but maybe I can teach you something today. It's not just in the notes of where you play it. It's where you feel it's it. It's in the soul. It's yeah. in the soul of it. And me as a composer, I want to feel it back. And I want it to feel like it's a little more on the sad thing. I don't want it to feel perky in the front. And the guy, everybody's like, the conductor's like, hey. And that's what, at the end of the day, that's whoever composed it. That's why when a Beethoven piece and they say, who's the feature guy today playing it with the orchestra? Well, that's why it's important because he's going to feel it so different than everybody else. I can't play. I can play an Eddie Van Halen solo. Something can try to play it to the note. Never in a billion years going to sound like Eddie. Or I'm feel so like glad Eddie. that you're saying this because I did an episode of the podcast with Mark Morton from Lamb of God, Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves, and Chris Trainer from Bush, yeah. and we had this exact conversation. I wanted to get three guitar players who play three distinctly different styles of rock and metal, yeah. and they said that there are guitar players where you can go up. And on the same amp and on the same guitar, in the same room, you could play the same notes. And there are guitar players where you're just not going to be able to replicate it because at the end of the day, it's the feel coming from the player themselves. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Without a doubt. My 32nd version of that, because it was, I don't want to demean it. It was a, a beautiful day in my life, but it was the, the, the rude awakening of that was me as an early player, young out here with extreme, uh, I'm sorry, uh, having the first album be done, out here recording porno graffiti, and we just wrapped doing porno graffiti, and Dweezil Zappa, which I didn't even know was a fan, reached out to me, asked me if I would stay a little bit longer and produce his album, and I did. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I did it anyways. And and one, one day on the way to rehearsal, he goes, can we stop quickly? I just want to stop. I got to pick up something, a guitar. So he lied to me. We went into center staging. The door opens, Van Halen's rehearsal. <gasps> exactly. The only difference between the O that I did is doves, some doves flew, some other <laughs> angels sounded, and they were like in the middle of just, and the, where the door was was right where Eddie was, and you know, and, and this was right when Hagar just joined the band, and they're playing, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, holy shit, like I'm at in rehearsal, so they, they stopped playing, and I'm like, I don't even know if Eddie's gonna like me, not like me, I mean, I'm a guitar player, I've heard stories, I've heard, I don't know, I, I didn't know. He came right over, man, with his guitar, and he gave me the biggest hug, Nice, big, juicy kiss on the lips that I'll never forget. Uh, the best man kiss I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, he, and he was like, yeah, man, welcome, man. Come on in. Whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? But, of course, selfishly, they started playing again. And I'm like, right in front of him, like, fantasizing. Like, I wish everybody would just leave. And I want to play his guitar, chord, pedals, amp, so I can finally sound like anyone. Finally, because truth be told, whenever we do albums with Extreme anybody else, every guitar player I know does is we're like, we have comps where we're like, man, I'd like the sound from Fair Warning or whatever it is. Maybe we can kind of get close. We always like, we try to do things, you know, to, it's never going to get there, but we've done that for years. So finally, I'm like, I don't get to do that anymore. I'm actually going to sound like it. Finally, fuck this. So what happens? They take a break and he goes, come play my rig. <gasps> yes, yes. And so now here I am and everybody's left the room except for me and Eddie. And he's like, yeah, just play, man. I, I got this pedal I want to try now. I got the Eddie Edward Van Halen leaning in front of me on the floor, this back to me, and he's dialing something in. 
And, he, and, I and you're using guitar. his guitar on his rig, everything. Everything. I'm talking, there's still DNA on the strings from his fucking You could have been fingers. wearing his underwear. You couldn't yeah. get any closer. Yeah, you couldn't get any closer. There was definitely, if there was COVID, I had COVID on the strings. <laughs> I had it. All right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what am I going to play first? And I remember like finishing like up like, okay, like get the funk out. I'm like, oh, I did this cool thing where it's tapping, whatever it was. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. I started playing and I was just like, my heart stopped. And I was like, oh, fuck. I can't believe this. I'm so disappointed. You're not Eddie Van Halen. It sounds just like me. <laughs> it sounded just like me. I was like, what? Is this, am I being punked? Like, what the fuck is happening here? This is not fair. This is not supposed to happen. No <laughs> I'm excuses. I'm supposed to sound like Eddie Van Halen. I was like, what the hell? And and it's so funny. And, and when I was doing this tapping thing, he stops and it couldn't make matters worse that I sounded just like me. He stops. He goes, hey, hey, hey. He stopped me. He goes, none of that silly stuff. <gasps> Check this out. I was doing this thing that was tapping and it's think something that I thought I came up with is tapping, but not like he did was skip the strings and do this thing that he didn't get the funk out solo. If anybody cares to listen to it, I was like literally doing that part and get the funk out. And he said silly stuff, but then he laughed and I went and I was like thinking about it after I'm like, he goes, no, no, I'm going to keep playing. And I'm like, Oh my God. When you don't think a guy that you admire read, he, I just did an, an interview in guitar player magazine where I said these exact words where I, I was trying not to make it sound like a bad thing. I said, when I tap, finger tapping like we do, I feel silly doing it. Exact words. Because it's so Eddie. Meaning, he, he fucking, that's, it's Eddie. None of us will ever, I don't give a shit who you are, will start doing tapping and go like, it's mine. Go fuck yourself. It's Eddie's. We, he owns it. We're just taking it to a different place. So he read it. So he reads he reads guitar players and he read my words. And I'm like, oh my God, he read my, he read my article. And he embarrassed me with it, but I'll take it. He's like, stop playing that silly stuff because I was tapping. Oh, my God. When the news came out that he had passed, you and Gary were some of the first people that I thought of for obvious reasons. That yeah. obviously Gary was, you know, in Van Halen for a time. Yeah. And I know that when it comes to guitar players, and I refuse to have like the who's the best guitar player conversation because best is a subjective word. Yeah, but when you that. talk about influential guitar players for you, is there anybody above Eddie on your list? Influential for you? You know, that's a really, really, really good question. And, and, it's, and it's always easier to take that path, especially when somebody passed. And you go like, yeah, they were the guy, whatever it is, because it's all sentimental. But that's not the case here, the answer that I'm going to give you. And the reason I'm saying that is because every, maybe, like when I first moved out to L.A. in, in, in like 2001, 2002, uh, a, a band that I love, Rage Against Machine, and a guitar player I love, Morello, he happened to be an extreme fan back in the day. He used to see us back in Boston when he went to Harvard. He used to be in the crowd when he watched it play before he even had a band. And... We became friends and he was he would have these like he'd call a bunch of different guitar players and musicians every once in a while, maybe six of us, and have a round table discussion at the rainbow at like midnight. Lops, <laughs> How many of, of those conversations happened at the bar at the rainbow oh at my midnight? God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And we'd sit there and one of them was and I told him, man, if we were recording this, we would have lost most of our peers would never talk to us again because it was brutal. <laughs> it was like, who's the best? Who's the asshole? Who's the it was a Mount Rushmore of everything. Of everything, best song, best rock song, worst guitar solo, best guitar. It was awful, <laughs> but we but we would have the best. But the but the one that was always uniquely aligned and was like, who is the Mount Rushmore of guitar players? And when we say that, it's our favorites. But come on, who are the guys? 
who are the guys that fucked us up and fucked up generations and were the ones who 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 changed it you couldn't pick up a guitar ever again without it being different culturally can i guess three of yours sure uh hendrix okay van halen yeah and prince wow did okay. i get three out of the four you or am two, i close you, you got two out of three okay you got two out of three and the reason Prince didn't make it onto as a get on the guitar player side because Prince was way more to me than just a guitar player. Right. And he, and he didn't play a lot of guitar, Prince, believe it or not. Like, yes, one of the greatest guitar solos I ever saw was in Worcester at Purple Rain when he did it. He did an outro on Purple Rain that I was just almost in tears. Just the soulful of it or whatever is one of the greatest live solos probably till this day I've ever seen. But ironically, he wasn't the guitar player's guitar player. He was yeah. admirable. But the guys who changed, like, coming from where I was coming from, but... So my guys were- Brian May. Yeah. Yeah, I knew yeah. I was going to get in there. All right, so yeah. give me your four. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was Hendrix, Page, Brian May, and Edward. Now, if you're going to go and you're going to say out of those four, who was the guy that you, you know, and I, I'd hate to offend anybody on that list. No, but it's not an offensive the, thing. That's why person, I ask about influence. The reason the reason I wouldn't offend the person on that list, because I've had this conversation with that person as well, which is Brian May, <laughs> which I would say like, and we had the conversation after Eddie passed and he was just like, man, what he did, what he did for us, what he did, like, you, I'd have to tell you that who's the guy that influenced my style, sound, DNA out of everybody, it would be Edward. It would be Edward, without a doubt. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't have to tell you that. You can hear it in, in extreme sound. You can hear it in, 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 in yeah, minus, and even, believe it or not, the funkiness of extreme people left to go like, wow, what made you guys different? It's like, no, actually, to be honest with you, the songs that I love the most out of Van Halen were the ones like, in and out of love, that's where I got some of that rock funk was. That's Mean Streets, it was funky to me. Like his rhythm playing, Eddie, Eddie's solo playing is amazing. And that's what people talk about nine out of 10 times, not me. And I, I don't mean to sound special, but it's, it's sad to me. His rhythm playing fucked me up. And I believe his rhythm playing was more influential to all guitar players than they know or than they like to believe. Every guitar player after Eddie, the way they played rhythm, the cording, everything they did, the way they phrased stuff, from Warren D. Martini to you name it, Randy Rhodes at the time, it affected all of them, and that was even simultaneously. Eddie had a way to play rhythm and soloing. That's what made him the greatest to me of all time, period. Do you think, is it is it fair when, I mean, we're looking at your Mount Rushmore, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> Hendrix was the singer and the guitar player, so obviously the, the spotlight's on him. You look at Paige and you look at Brian May, they're standing next to some of the most prolific and influential lead singers, the most charismatic front mans in yeah. rock and roll, yeah. front men, I should say, in yeah. rock and roll history. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen, to me, was the first rock guitar player that made people look away from the charismatic front yeah. man. Yes. And yes. that that's hard to do when you're in Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Let me tell you something. When 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 the lights go out and Dave's out there standing and everybody's chanting chanting Eddie, it's a tough one. It's a tough one sometimes. But that was the perfect you brought up another really great point. The guitar players that I loved. You you're saying like how difficult it was them for them to stand out. But in a way, I feel like we can add to that and, and kind of like underscore that, meaning that they also owe it 
to their front men and their rhythm sections and their band and the chemistry. All the guys we mentioned were in great fucking bands. Oh, unbelievable bands. And those bands and that and that's when I knew. That's when I knew, like even me loving Joe Perry and stuff and everything else, I knew, wait a second, I'm not sitting here, sitting in my bedroom trying to decipher what the hell the the lick or the pentatonic scale or whatever's going on. I'm turned on by this band and their vocals and, and what they're doing and the songs. The way it and makes the you feel. The way it makes you feel, the way it makes you want to go back. And there's there is no way that an isolated track of Eddie Van Halen would have done when you drop that needle on Van Halen one and, and that bass comes in and running with the devil and Dave screaming and you were like, that's it. We're fucked. Yeah. Like it's a wrap. <laughs> Aliens have landed. Fucking spaceships have come down. It's over. It's like, it's game on. And there's no way if it was just eruption, fine. It couldn't be just eruption. It had to be the whole package, the sex of it, the, the fucking, the, the, the rock and roll of it, the swing of what Van Halen had. There's no way Eddie would have been Eddie without Dave or Dave without Michael Anthony. That's why it pissed me off for years. It pissed me off for years that, uh, that, that they didn't finally end up with Michael back. You know, and I kind of hated Wolf for that for a long time because I figured I get it for a while, I get whatever, but I don't want people to not know that Michael Anthony was such a big part, a quarter of that band. It's it, it has to be that way. And Eddie was a quarter. They were all that band couldn't sound like they did without Alex on drums. That band couldn't have sounded without Dave. Even Dave's limited singing. Dave almost talked through everything. It had to be the, the way Dave talked through everything for it to be as punk rock and as fucking all that first I don't album, feel tardy album. yeah it, just all that shit you know all those if it was somebody that could sing like a bird it wouldn't have been the same so people when people you're right when people talk about the Mount Rushmore shit we don't look at that if you want to do a technical Mount Rushmore we can talk about that but that's boring who gives a fuck about that what matters is how did it cut through you how did it fucking make you feel when you were in that crowd I wasn't watch. I wasn't listening to Van Halen going like wow is that a G minor scale on top of a G? <laughs> like what no I was like what did I Put it back. What was that? What the fuck was that? Like that, that just made my hairs on my arm. My hairs on my arms are going up telling you about it, <laughs> about me listening to it. That's when you know that every time you go back, it's something, there's something else. It's, it's bigger than guitar. It's bigger than, it's, it's just, it's just the band, you know? When you have that connection as a musician with the music and all of that, and then you have to go and play with Paul McCartney or play with Brian May, or be there with Eddie Van Halen. Obviously, when you're, when you're a professional musician and you're you, it, there's a professional way that you... But, but how is it for you to grow up and be completely influenced by these people and that throughout your career, you have been able to not only be influenced by them, but then to be a peer? I mean, that's kind of crazy. It, it is. And it's still crazy. I've never, I've been so, my, I, I mean, listen, you and I would have to do three weeks of podcasts to talk about those individual moments. Okay, we can do that. Let's I'll do book it. you down. <laughs> put me in, put me in. I'm in. But, but honestly, like, you know, how can you ever, and I, that's why every time I post anything these days, I do anything, I, we have a joke, I go, not bad from a kid from Hudson, Massachusetts. Because really, at the end of the day, that's, the, that's what it is. And that's what you have to always, that's all I always see myself as, having the same passion as that kid in the room. Whenever I've been around these guys, I've never walked up to him. I don't act like a fan, but I never walked up to him like, like, wow, man, I'm just like you. Never. And I'm not trying to be humble or trying to, trying to be, you know, 
virtue signal, whatever the fuck it is. It's true. I could never do that. How the fuck can you be in a room? How the hell can you be in London and 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 you're in the dressing room and you're closing a, a theater that they ask you to close Historia and you're about to go on 45 minutes and the door opens and Jimmy Page walks in. Where do you write that in your story that like, one day I'm going to be in London playing and then Paige is going to walk in, then doves are going to fly through the door and then, and then well, how you about conducted this? an orchestra at Abbey Road Studios. Exactly, exactly. I and mean, then, I dodged the cars outside because I just wanted to walk in the goddamn crosswalk. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's all those things and, and all those stories have multiple meanings like the Abbey Road thing. Like I did go into that studio, be by myself and sit there where they did everything and play that piano by myself and have my own you know, moment to myself, these moments that you just, and it's the same thing with Paige walking in, Paige walks into your dressing room, he goes, and, and literally, my head, really honest to God, on my life and my kids, I thought he walked into the wrong room, I thought he was in the wrong building, I thought he was like, there was a bunch of theaters, I thought he went to see somebody else, that's how disconnected I am still from believing that, even though I sold some records, and even though I've toured the world and still doing it, that Paige would show up to watch me play. And that's what he said. I literally said, what are you doing here? And he's like, I listen, what are you doing here? He goes, I heard there goes, was a show tonight, bro. Yeah. He, he goes, he goes, no, man. I goes, I, I wanted to take an opportunity to see you play in a small place, man. And I'm like, what? Like that does, that will never comprehend the kid from the years that goes to Hudson Mass and, and we have our softball WAF softball game. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, you know what I mean? So, and then you're playing, then you're on stage and no, I'm sorry. And then 10 minutes later, if that isn't enough, the door opens and John Paul Jones comes in. Oh, God. And then you got half of Led Zeppelin there, and, and then Jimmy Pace says to John Paul Jones, what are you doing here? And he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what am I watching, Seinfeld? Like, <laughs> like what is happening right now? Like, rock and roll Seinfeld? <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where they like, I, I invited John Paul because we did something in, in, in Japan together, but I didn't think he was going to show up, A. And, and, I didn't, and, and then my booking agent told, told Jimmy that we were playing. So then now they're sitting together in a table in the balcony, and I can see them all night. While I'm playing a two and a half hour show. No pressure. No pressure. And then on top of that, you know, they tell us, the booking agent tells me and Robbie, you know, says, hey, Jimmy said hello to you before the show because he's probably like, he was just so amused at Wembley Stadium and he comes for like three or four songs just to say hi before. Because he's Jimmy Page and he's, he's a bit older and he, he, the crowds and the whole thing, I, I get It's it. Jimmy Page. He doesn't need to make an excuse if he wants no to excuse. bail out a little Jimmy, early. Jimmy Page, no problem. What happens? Five songs in, he's still there. An hour in, he's still there, both of them. And they're like, you know, two hours, two and a half hours, encore. They stayed for the whole damn show. I mean, what else can I want than to like die right there and go achieved, mountain achieved of your dream of your life, right? A, a guy that you sat in your room and you learned every riff, that wrote every riff, that all those albums up one, two, in through the out. I mean, it, the list goes on. And now, I remember playing, the moment I had was Midnight Express, this acoustic piece that I do. It was written because of Four Sticks. It was inspired by Four Sticks. So I was like, oh, I want to write something like really exotic like that. So I did Midnight Express. And there I am playing that and literally by myself on a stage with Jimmy right there and telling them, both of them that played on and telling them, I didn't say their names in the crowd because I didn't want to be that guy. But I was just like, hey, there's somebody here tonight that I want him to know that this piece and pretty much everything that's going on up here couldn't have been done without you guys in our lives, in our bedrooms, in our on our radio and everything else. Thank you so much. You're you basically have raised raised us, you know, to, to be who we are and such a like part everybody of our, in the room didn't know that half a Led Zeppelin was sitting in the <laughs> balcony though. Come on now. I don't know, but I did but you gotta remember the crowd was down and they were in the they were up. Oh but, okay. but they, the, like the crowd and then all of a sudden when I said that everybody went like this and started looking around. 
and, and they were like, and I saw some faces go like, what the fuck, like, holy shit, like, you know, like, it's Paige. And then to tell them that this piece was directly, a direct ripoff from a groove from what you guys have, and to play that for them, and 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 and, and the, the last part of that story it, it, is that I won't really tell because it's a little more personal, but I got a text sent to me to Robbie that the words from Jimmy Page through my page goes that he typed. And he said, you know, this is, you know, Jimmy just told me to tell you this and that in the car and blah, blah, blah. And he typed it in. I would never say it out loud because it's just something that's like, it's just too much. <laughs> it's too, it's too, it's too much to like, even like, I don't know. It, it seems egregious and it seems wrong and it seems like I don't deserve it. It seems like it's just not right. It was enough what I told you, but he said these words that I was just like, no, sorry, I'm not accepting that. That just, that can't be real. And I will never, you know, maybe I'll tell you off air or something, but I just, I, I, I feel wrong telling it. It's that good. It's that it just finishes off the dream. It's like, and then somebody put a bullet in my head. I'm like, okay, good. I'm good. Okay. Goodbye. I'm done. End of the Sopranos. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Goes exactly. to black done. Yeah. What more, what more would we want to do after that? And it's just, and, but it just goes to show you. And I tell, you know, whenever I do this generation X tour, before I sit down and do that same piece, I always ask them to turn the lights on in the crowd. And I say, who in here plays guitar? And well, you know, it's generation it's, X. It's, yeah, everybody. Of course, it's everybody. But then I, but then I see a lot of kids and I see like nine year olds, 11 year olds, 20 year olds. And they're all raising. And I said, let, let me tell you something. I'm up here on this stage where you were on that seat. I watched you coming to see your heroes tonight, Steve Vai and Ingve and, 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 you know, Zach Wilde and these guys. I'm telling you, I didn't think it was possible to be up here on the stage and here I am. So I'm just, just keep playing. When you play for the right reasons, when you don't play for money, when you don't play for gold records, when you don't play for any other reason that you fucking love it and you want to be, is just perform for people and take them on a journey with you. It doesn't matter if you're up here with me or if you're in a cover band or if you're in a garage. It feels the same. You've, you've made it. You've done it. You've done it. Like if just playing guitar and playing that crazy train thing that you've been wanting to play your whole life with your friends in a garage with a couple of beers, you've made it. You don't need to play Madison Square Garden. You don't need to do anything else. It's the same fucking feeling. As a matter of fact, it might even be worse the more success you have because more business comes in. When you're doing it just for the purity Man, that, it's the same. You look for that feeling the rest of your career when you didn't care in a garage. That's the feeling you look for every night on stage. Can I ask you this question? Because I think you're one of the only people that I could probably ask, and you bring up Jimmy Page. He came out recently and was trying to push streaming services to pay artists more because of the small amount of money that an artist gets paid per stream on Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, whatever it is that the service is. Yeah. And so for a musician like yourself that started your career and found success in the analog world for the most part, yeah. and you have taken your career and worked with so many artists all the way up through someone like Rihanna that has found her success in the digital age, mm -hmm. you've been able to really, like, is it wrong for me to assume that if you're a musician and you had a hit song once in the 70s or 80s, that you could live a modest, not the rock star MTV Cribs life, but you could live a modest life off of the royalties you would get from that song, getting played on the radio and whatever for the rest of your life. And now you talk about the difference that radio stations pay for the royalties and the rights to play the music that they play versus what the streaming services pay. What is that disparity like? Because you've seen it on both sides. Yeah. Look, I'm of the mind. I live by one thing. If a plumber comes in 
and he does his job and he's a great plumber, he gets paid. You get paid for what you do. That's all, I, that's all the fairness I want with anybody. I don't think anybody should get paid extra or get paid less. And whatever that is, I'm, I'm of the mind, when I work with anybody, it's like I don't try to save money with them, if, you know, unless I'm broke. But, <laughs> but, but, but my point being is like I love celebrating people's hard work, and I think people should do it. And I think it's like that with streaming. I think it's like that with royalties. And people, you know, music, like if, if, if it's being streamed, they should be paid for it. And, and, and it should be a fair amount that everybody agrees on. It's Not like a just, hundredth of a cent per stream yeah, or something. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's crazy. Horrible. It's horrible because they're, you know, like I, 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 it was like, I read the other day that Universal, I was, I was talking to somebody at, uh, at Republic Records and it came out that through the pandemic, they made $2 billion more dollars in the last three months than they would at that time of year from streaming service. So why is the artist not being celebrated in that? Because really at the end of the day, that's what now... He, that's what they listen to. But at the same time, what I'm not down with is when the artist is here, the artist also has to understand why he's on the radio and why he's on the streaming service and who put him the fuck there. There's a big mechanism behind getting There's a getting big mechanism and you have to recognize those plumbers and those electricians and all the people that also need to get a piece of getting there because it's really, because we all know music has no place in the record business. <laughs> it doesn't. It yeah, they don't call it a business for nothing. Yeah. You want to play music? Stay home. You want to play music, play for your friends, and you love music? Play home. Don't give me this purity shit, and now all of a sudden, now you're making merch money, making all that, and you're there for the purity. It's not real. You are getting paid, because if that was, that was the case, then play for free and, and, and donate it all, all your profits. Don't get the big house. Don't do whatever you want to do. So we're all hypocritical in a sense. Not even hypocritical. We're getting paid for that, so we deserve it. We're out touring. The merch, with our faces on the merch, we're getting a piece. There's nothing wrong with it. You created the music. It is your art. It is your soul. No problem. There's yep. no problem. But don't be, so if you're going to do that, don't forget the reason the machine runs on tour. Like sometimes we, if you were on tour in Europe and you did a whole run, say a million dollars come in for dummy math for me because I can't do math. But it's like sometimes after a million dollars came in for the whole run, you'd look at it and you'd go like, wow, how is it that there's 200,000 left? Why? Well, where did it all go? Because there are here's the math. There are trucks. There is catering. There's seventy crew. There is this. There is that. There is merch gets a third of what you do. Like all that stuff. So the idea is to go like, okay, everybody's getting paid. But when it the, the scales tip the wrong way, that's when a guy like Paige or people like us should fight for that. And it's not for us. It's for everybody. You know what I mean? It's the same thing that happened. Like I really feel we we, we had this kind of conversation. This is the Napster thing, right? Oh, this is the James, James Hetfield got. I mean Lars got sent up as Lars. the sacrificial lamb, Lars. and 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 everybody motherfucked Lars. Yeah, but and, and he I, was the one sticking up for the baby bands because Metallica had already found yeah. success. And the only mistake Lars made was he opened his mouth. Meaning what? Meaning that he's the only one that had the balls. To open his mouth. I always Be stuck up for Lars and I took yeah. a lot of shit for it. Because he was right. He That's was right. right. He was right. He was always right. Now, the only mistake he made, the only difference was it was him and not his attorney going to fighting for it. If he just let his, his team do it, whatever, but he was he was trying to do the right thing. And everybody made it seem like, look at this rich prick who wants more money and it's not enough for him that like we're doing this. No, it's not it. Because the way I describe it, I described it at the time with all my peers and the people in the business that didn't know and were like bagging on him. I'm like, okay, you don't like what Lars is doing? All right, riddle me this then. Melrose Avenue out here for anybody that's been out here, a lot of little cool shops and you can walk and buy a lot of things, but they're boutique shops. So me and you are, are saying, okay, you open up a 
let's be boring, a pillow shop, but it's a really sexy pillow shop. You know, it's like you, you put things on it. It's got, it's got, it, one's got fringe, one's got its fur, whatever, but you, that's your passion. You've been building that. You finally borrowed money. You slept in somebody's fucking, your friends, you moved from, I don't know where, so you can have a shop in Melrose. You got to pay the rent at Melrose. You finally, it's opening, grand opening. And it's these beautiful pillows, like some denim and stuff like that. I'm your first customer or whatever. I walk in that day and I'm like, you're showing me with pride. Like, this is what you created. You fucking stitched the shit. You did it. And you, you, you opened it. You went through all the work. And I'm like, I love the denim one. I like that. I like that one. I like the one. You grabbed it. She's like, great, come with me. And as we're walking to the front of the door and you go behind the counter, I just walk out the door. And she's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm like what do you mean where am I going? I like your pillows. I'm going to take them home. I love your pillows. They're great. I love, I want them now. And I, and I, and I, but you, I, I'm going to have to call the cops. Why? Why would, why can't I just have them? Oh, let me explain why. For all the reasons I just told you. It took me years to get to this point. It took me years to get the damn record deal to sleeping in a fucking rehearsal space when nobody cared. Metallica, no love from any mainstream radio for years. They just toured, toured, sleeping on floors for massive years built it themselves, built their fucking following in a, in a way that we didn't even know was possible with that kind of music that was like people repellent at the time where everybody thought was like, everybody's like, get the shit out of here. A lot of, you know what I mean? It was, it wasn't, they weren't doing hit radio. You know what I mean? So these guys came from the trenches, built it all already have everything they need. Now they're fighting for a cause and they get blamed for doing with the right thing because everybody thought it was because of them because some punk somewhere figured out a way to crack the code so we could all take their music for nothing that's wrong that is wrong period as a matter of fact we all did it when we did cassettes and vhs and all that bullshit when we were when our friend would buy the dubbing album, and dubbing. we would dub it that's fine but really what happened and it finally happened at the end of the day that all the artists and music was like this can't be happening we did gotta get a piece of every time they sell a blank cassette and they're right they're right because we were they were losing money you know yeah it's, it's lesser quality but do the right thing pay the people who deserve what they do it's not it's not it's not rocket science it's not even debatable as far as i'm concerned it's not debatable the people that live off that shit next time you're fucking crying or somebody commit fucking suicide and i'm take going to a song to make to help me get through my life think about that i've gotten letters when we were on tour with extreme we'd get boxes pre-digital days where you could post something i'd come home from a tour and i'd get boxes of fan mail man when i'd read that shit i was in tears there was people saying you got me i was thinking about taking my life and so this song got me through it or this song got me through cancer or this song next time think about that what an artist brings to the table your wedding song your prom song your your ride to the concert your concert the dentist the grocery store it's it's associated with your memory Everything. So it's like it's people the soundtrack to know, your life. That's right. Like they always wonder why. Oh, why do you listen to a radio station and you play the same songs over and over? It's because, well, because that ACDC song was on the radio when a guy got his first blowjob, and so yeah. every time he hears that <laughs> he song, wants to request it. he 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 remembers the blowjob, and that makes him happy. So he that's loves it. the song, and he'll play it, it a million times over. That's it. That's it. And 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 so and, this, and once again, we go full circle. If the pandemic showed us anything whatsoever is that compensate these motherfuckers, whether it be me or anybody else, it doesn't matter. If they do it and if they provide you that escape, because this would have sucked in silence. This year would have sucked in silence with nothing to look at. Turn off the TV, because we're talking about those same artists, those same writers, 
that walk around with a shitty typewriter. I see him in the Hollywood Boulevard, sleeping in a fucking car with a typewriter and a laptop in the backseat, waking up, hoping they're going to get that script that delivered that day. They're all doing it. you know. And, and it's not a boo-hoo thing because nurses and people that go to school, it, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about everybody. Pay them for what they do. Be fair. Don't be an asshole. And, and celebrate them and fight for them. If you're going to take something, you know how many times, and this may sound stupid, but you know how many, everybody doing Amazon, you know how many times I've gotten a package or I've gotten something that was like three times the what I'm supposed to get in it and I could easily keep it or whatever it is, but I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like, it's the same thing to me. Send it back. Send it back. Somebody is not making money on the thing. They wrongly sent you three frames instead of one. I don't know. I know it's a pain in the ass, but somebody's going to lose money somewhere and it's karmic and it's the right thing to do. I'm not perfect. Maybe I haven't done it all the time, but when it comes to music, Jimmy Page is right. And in movies and stealing movies, come on, man, you just watched a movie that they spent $200 million on, have the decency to pay 10 bucks or five bucks <laughs> or whatever it is that's going to go. And then you'll watch it and be like, the effects weren't that good. And it's like, well, you got yeah. it for free. You don't get yeah. to say anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 the sa it's the same thing that I said when this election happened. And this has nothing to do with politics. I put out a little video and I said, look, at the end of the video about just vote. Everybody just get out there and vote. Like, do your research. Do your stuff. Stop listening to everybody telling you who to vote for. Be smart. Just do your thing. But at least just show up. It's once every four years. You owe that to your family to everybody just to show up because it affects all of us. Just yeah. do it. I mean, you, you, you show up to do everything else. If you're going to show up to watch a fucking football like once a week, you can do this once every four years, right? But my point was, at, at, at the end of it, it's like, but I'm, I said this, I go, I'll say this to my kids, I'll say it to my, to my family or my friends. If you don't, if you don't vote for anybody, then you just lost the right to bitch about who. That's the right. The I say that all the time. 100%. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about Trump. I don't hear about anybody. If you're not going to show up, then you don't get a voice. You pass on that privilege, and you pass on the privilege to bitch about it. That's right. End of story. You know? Well, and I talked to Sean Morgan from Seether. He and I were talking about podcasting because obviously this is a new world for me now. And when I told him how much Spotify paid for Joe Rogan's podcast, he was like. Wait, what? They're paying for podcasts, but they're not paying for the musicians that yeah. made the system worth all that much. Like, wait, what? Yeah. And now for me, I'm sitting here as a podcaster. Now, if you and I had this interview on the radio, first of all, we would have gotten kicked off the air because we swore so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd be able to play all the music that we're talking about, right? Yeah. They haven't figured out a way for this licensing for the artists to get paid if I put music on the podcast it's insane when they do like i'm begging for that day because yeah. i want to be able to put a podcast together and have it sound like my old radio show with all the songs in there too and i i'm hoping that it's going to happen sooner and how, than later. how long have podcasts been going on i mean 10 years maybe something years, like that if not more but we got a we, we we got we got we, we got a vaccine pretty damn quick yeah there's got to be there's got to be a way to do it because because there the artists want it. The hosts want it. We yeah. all want it. I mean, look, even today I was, I was like with all the stimulus and everything going on, we were talking about, I think finally realizing I read today, I got, I got a little alert today that said that Congress passed a, Oh, the, the save our stages act is going yeah, through. Thank stimulus God. Package, which is yeah. uh, uh, 15 billion to the venues. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, which is it, and it, it took 2,800 independently owned venues getting together to have enough lobbying power to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. But at least at least we know that those amazing venues 
But you know, those people had to show up. Those people with those venues right. had to show up. They had to show up to get it done. That's basically how shit gets done. Don't don't be don't. We have a, we have a song on a, on the new extreme album. It's, it's the open. It's called hashtag rebel. And what <laughs> a hashtag rebel to me is a is a, is a person who. Who, who, and, and we've all done it. I've been a hashtag rebel before. It's like because we just sometimes we don't have the time, but it's not right. You don't, you don't go on your way to work with a cup of coffee after Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Let's let's stay home. Let's stay <laughs> East Coast. And and then you're like, there's a, a really important thing going on that you see. It's a movement that's going to change lives. And you're like, and you just hashtag and you move along. I, I did my part. I sit my yeah, coffee I and I go to work. Yeah, yeah I retweeted. I did my thing. It's great. Everybody calls it like amplifying. It's the thing. I, I want to amplify. I'm sorry. If you, Fucking roll get your in sleeves it. up. Get, get in, in there it. and roll get your dirty. sleeves up. And if you don't, it's okay. But don't just be a hashtag rebel. It's, it's just not enough. It's just if you want to get something done, we you have to get something done. And we and, and and like a skill that we talked about, we're all in. We all have skills in different times. Like we're not responsible to save the fucking planet or 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 or, or, or equality or anything else. But if we're up for it, if there's something that we're passionate about that we're into. Get in it. Get in it, and do do, do even if it's as, as little as possible. But just be a part of it, and you know, give give a little bit back. I mean, we we I know we all do it. I I, I I'm not making it sound like you know, but uh, that that we're all lazy. It's not the case. I'm just saying, there's 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 always a little bit more to be done. There's always a little bit more to be done for whether it's venues to, for today or whether it's you know our planet. And the problem with the problem, as you know, is like I don't know what's happened. I don't know if it's 2020 or if it's been the last five years. But anything we talk about, there's no more debating it. It's yeah. either you're with me or you're against me. You're either Democrat or you're Republic. There's nothing yeah, in the middle. It's white or black. It's a it's light switch. There's no in between. It, nobody can debate because if I try to debate, I lose my job. I lose my following. I lose whatever. It's just like I have to be – I have to support a very complex system 100% or I'm out. I yeah. can't disagree with 20% of a movement or something that I don't feel is right because if you're with us, you're against. You're not with us, you're against. I'm fucking over this shit. Well, I'm stuck and, in the middle because I have yeah. so many beliefs that don't fit on either side. That's my Neither point, but, one of the political parties wants to claim me. That's how it's supposed to be, though. Right. That's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to take the far rights and the far lefts and go like, that's a little bit wild. Come on, guys. We're yeah, not, we're not gonna, going over there. We're not going over there. Can we come there, somewhere in here? We have to. We're not all going to love the same person. We're not all going to agree on the same rock band. We're not all going to agree on the same Mount Rushmore and about anything. So let's, how do we coexist? How do we meet in the middle? But it seems like nobody, there's no neutral nobody. zone anymore. The neutral zone has been, I know. Exactly. It's been, it's yeah. been taken. And I, that's one of my prayers that it's like people start talking again. Not just blaming. Everybody's blaming. Nobody's bl- nobody's doing anything, but they're just like, his fault, your fucking fault. You guys did this. This generation did that. They would have been like, no, here we are. The only moment that matters is the conversation me and you are having right now. You know why? Because the past is gone. Future isn't here yet. So stay present. What the fuck can we do right now? Stop blaming everybody for what happened. Yeah, to learn is to remember. We'll recognize what we did. But if every time we have a debate or an argument, we're going to bring back 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, whatever, we're never going to move forward. It's the, it's the one rule in any therapy. I don't care if it's marriage therapy or anything. If you keep every time you argue with a loved one or anything and you bring up and, and you have Why a you good gotta debate. Why you got to bring up old shit? <laughs> you got to bring up what my mother-in-law did. What, what the? You know, <laughs> you already did that. It's over. Done. Gone. We know, we know. The good you know? thing about it is, because you talk about the new Extreme record, how much amazing music is going to come out in the next oh, couple shit. years? Yeah. Because you guys have been pent up with your instruments and so much crazy shit's going on. Yeah. Now you guys, the Extreme record, it's your sixth studio record, it's done, but you haven't set a release date. 
because you guys are trying to figure it out, right? Well, we were, you're finally, it only takes us 10 years to make a damn album, but we finally I mean, did it. I seriously, like. No, but we, we finally did it, and we're so pumped. I mean, I haven't been this excited since, like, probably Pornography for an album. No, no bullshit. Like, I'm so pumped about this album. And here we go, like, it's the end of 2019. We're like, we're done. I'm done. I'm mixing. And, and we're, we're going to go spring, spring of 2020. <sighs> no. And, and we could have. And we could have. But we're not that type of band. I don't want to just, here's a bunch of music for you guys. I want to tour it. I want it to come out when we want to play shows. I want to play the album for you guys. I want to, I want to be able to live the album. I want it, I want to, I want it to be a, a run, you know, because we don't do it that often. So I don't want it to just like, eh, here it goes, here, put it out, you know, kind of thing. And, and so what I love about the album is, is that it's a rock album. And rock albums don't follow trends so much. They're just rock albums. And yeah. I love that it can be released 2020, 2020 fall, 2021 spring. I'm down with that. I just want it to be a celebratory album that when we fucking put this shit away, I want to use it as a soundtrack to like rock and roll, celebrate, fucking let's, we can do anything together. We got through this shit and let's, let's tour, let's play, let's, let's go out and let's, let's, let's hang with the people that we all took for granted and the music that we took for granted seeing live and everything else and extreme and everybody else, all, all of us, you know, I think, I think artists are going to have a much more less competitive and much more uh, respect for each other and realizing that what we all realize what we all do and how important we all are to uh, healing and to, and to be in soundtracks for people when they're down when they're up. And I think as opposed to it being this really ungrateful kind of work that we do, you, what you do and what you engage with people engaging with me and the conversation we have and the escape that you just supplied for whoever's going to listen to your podcast. We got to stop taking that shit for granted. I know we're all going to become assholes at one year after. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to the, like, giving each other the finger. Everything will be fine. But my point is we got to at least take a little bit with us to go like, man, that shit was taken away from us. Yeah. Like, and what does it mean? Like, yeah. like, like last year, 2019, I ran the Boston Marathon. Wow. This know. year, I was heartbroken for the people like me that were going to run yeah. their first marathon and worked so hard for so yeah. long. And then it got canceled. And speaking of that, I had to tell you, um, because the last Extreme record, one of my favorite songs off the record, King of the Ladies. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Love. that song is the tempo of my running pace. And, oh, it, okay. and I put it on my marathon playlist, and I was listening to it running the marathon. And that, that song cool. will always be part of the memory of me. And the one time I ever ran the Boston marathon, that that song was kind of but see, in how, there. I'm, I'm touched. And, and I, and I love that. Thank you. That feels so good. But those are the stories that you hear that you're like, man, that what more could you ask for when you write a song and, and it becomes somebody's soundtrack for whatever moment it is in their life. Because running the marathon sucks and the, and the music helped get me through it. Heartbreak Hill is named Heartbreak Hill for a reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I can <laughs> imagine, man. I, hats off to you for, for even doing that. But it, you're so right, though. It's like I, I, the one time we were on tour, I remember when More Than Words came out, but we were still touring, and I didn't know the impact of it being a number one or whatever it was. I just We were just on the road. But I, re, I I'll, it, it came to fruition that day, and it came to light that, you know, we always come down or whatever, two in the afternoon because we're on a different schedule, come down for breakfast, come down. And I'm walking down the hall, hall – the hallway of the hotel and there's a conference a big uh uh what do they call it? not a conference room but an actual hall um with a function hall right a oh yeah room. so I'm, I'm hearing like something happening through, through the doors are shut and i'm just like this sounds really super familiar and i'm like fucking sweats and shit i'm going down to the lobby but i cracked the door open just a little bit to see what it was and as i'm doing the sound opens it's more than words but more than words is playing and it it was like i was watching a movie it's playing 
all the beautiful, like just the, the, the chandeliers and stuff that's hanging and all the people dressed so beautiful. And in the middle is the, the bride and groom. Oh. And they're just like, and they're just looking at each other. They were just married and looking at each other. And I'm like, I'm just sitting like this sweat hog, leaning over, like <laughs> looking through, going like, you know, with my eye. And I just couldn't stop watching. It was so surreal. And I literally was just like, close the door in the middle of it. And I'm like, my job is done here. <laughs> you you like, should have walked in there and taken a bite out of somebody's wedding cake like Bill Murray would have done and be like, no one would believe you. And then turn around and leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to do that, but I didn't want to ruin that moment for that. I wanted to go in and just be like, but I'm like, my job, my work is done here. Go steal the guitar away from the wedding yeah, band. Yeah. But I just couldn't believe, like, it just, it hit me at that point. That's like, man, this song has nothing to do with me. It's bigger than me. It's no, bigger. it's, you, you guys gave it to the world and yeah, you don't own music, it anymore. Music, music is, that song, that's the gift the song gave back to me. That was yeah. the gift. It was seeing that. It wasn't like, oh man, did you, I heard my, brag about my song. They were dancing. No, you gave them a song that, that they'll, Remember forever. I can't tell you how many stories that more than words is a prom song or the wedding song or I lost my Virginia in the backseat song, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. But it all, it's all special. It's all special. Well, before I let you go, we talk about 2020 just being this crazy fucked up year. And yeah. obviously my year and my 2020 went to shit a little bit earlier than everybody else's. And... Having been at AAF for 29 years, I mean, my first day at AAF was the extreme softball game, which was July 1st, 1991. That's That's I still insane. have the T-shirt. That's still one of my favorite days. Like, I, 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 I know it sounds silly, but like, obviously, being hurt, hearing your song on the radio, biggest ever. That's that's radio. But in a weird way, when I remember like events that radio stations have that AAF would have. And I was like jealous that I wasn't a part of it. Like I'm still not, I'm still not recognized enough as an artist to, to not be a part. So when we were part of the stuff, I was just like- In your hometown, in my hometown there's I'm like 3,000 people there. I'm like, how much cooler can this fucking get in your hometown? You're part of the station that you grew up on, you're on it. And you're fucking like, you're playing the fucking softball with the DJs that you listen to. It's like, I'm telling you, I, you know me, you know I don't bullshit. I, yeah. Those things, those hometown, those things, man. I know I've done some great stuff, and we, yes, we can have the Jimmy Page conversations. We can have those Paul McCartney things. Those are special, but in their own buckets. Yeah. These these things are like fabric things. These things are like things that are lifelong things. You know, they're not like a, a day, an event. They're like a thing that really. Anyways, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, no, but. no. But it, but like for me, like you, I grew up listening to AAF. Like yeah. it was the soundtrack to my childhood. It yeah. introduced me to my love of rock and roll. It was it was always there, and so for me, getting to getting to work there and to be yeah. on the air and to be associated with it. And then to have it be gone was devastating. And, you know, I thought, all right, I'll apply at some other stations or I'll try. And when the pandemic hit and all that kind of, you know, changed and I decided to start my company and build my studio and launch my podcast and, and decide there isn't another station. There isn't another person that's going to come into new England and try to, galvanize the rock community and to keep it together and to be able to introduce people to new artists at the same time of keeping them in touch with the artists that they already love like you yeah it it ha it would have to be somebody that loves it and have to be somebody that was passionate about it and i was like you know what fuck it i'm just going to do it myself exactly. and i had no idea what was going to happen and how it was going to work and the fact that people like you i have not heard no one time when i've asked somebody to be on the podcast or to come on cocktails in the war room, my video show, or like do anything 
the rock community has rallied around me in a way that is still shocking to me. And so I just wanted you to know how grateful I am that you have Listen, been you're so gonna, supportive. You're going to make me start crying for real. Like, I, 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 I <laughs> I'm am, not like, trying to, but this year has been really hard. No, and when I, I, I look it. back at everything that I've been able to, to do in spite of it all, yeah. and it's been because, you know, you guys... Well, are, I mean, you're look, giving back everything that you think we gave to you, and course. I appreciate With, that. Without a doubt, you just took the words out of my mouth. It's really, it's really, it's, it feels even better. It's like, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it feels. The fact that the odds are against it feels even better. Do you know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those things where you feel like, it's very simple. I told Robbie, um, I, 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 it's the a good example is this, and it falls under you. In your case, it's like. He doesn't have to finish what the ask is. He just says, so I heard from Mrs. K. And it's like, yes, you, it doesn't matter. I mean, she might say, okay, well, one of these days I'm going to get screwed with that because it's going to be something <laughs> like she wants you to run naked through, I don't know, yeah. whatever, through on the Boston Well, now Marathon. that I know you'll say yes to yeah, anything, yeah. I'll get yeah. more creative. Get, but... get creative, get creative because <laughs> I, I, would, I would do it for you. I would do it for you. But, but my point being, it's because of, like I said, it's that relationship that you develop through the years and, it's, and there's a loyalty there that is built with music as the nucleus. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and, and the, nu the music that brought you to AF that made me listen to AF originally and then and that we did, and then that music that brought us together within our careers. It's and a then, common language. It can't it? be gone after right. the careers. That's right. Do you understand? It can't, be, yeah. it never goes. Like it, it's, 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 it's literally an umbilical cord that is connected, that you have no fucking choice. But to have those feelings, how that person made you feel, how that station made you feel, that it's like it's a no, it's not, it's in your DNA now. It's not even like let me think about it. What are the what are the pros and cons, management wise, and what? Do, who yeah. gives a fuck? I don't even care if we. I probably finished this. And not even the only reason I brought up the extreme albums because of hashtag rebel. I don't give a fuck if we even talked about it because I would have brought it up. Don't worry, because no, no, I want to make sure. <laughs> but that's what this is about, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about promoting yourself or promoting your thing. This is like, man, I can't wait to do it. Like it's like, well, you know what's funny is it's that some artists are like, well, I don't have anything to talk about. And I'm like, well, no, you, yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you do. Just because you don't have a record coming out and just because you can't tour doesn't mean that the people that love you don't want to yeah. hear about how you're doing yeah, and how you're spending your time locked in the house. How about that's why the show will succeed? The fans don't want to fucking hear about your new album. They already know. You already posted it. You already told them it's fucking happened. What they want to know is what's happening behind the album. Is how the did person it behind it. That's what's right. hurting behind the album. What were the fucking songs about? What made you wait? Like you just said, what? So a lot of people are pissed going on. I don't understand. You finished the album. Why aren't you sharing it with us? And I'm just like, it's coming. And I don't really get to explain it the way I don't want to fucking write it on a post. I'd rather tell you. And it's like people are listening and go like, oh, that's why, man. He wants, he wants it to be special. He wants, it, he wants to celebrate it with us. And he wants to be in a venue with us and play it while it's on the radio and everywhere else as opposed to just like everybody's just leaking music. Like we think it, I think it's too fucking special to just throw out there, period. Well, I it's taken you guys long enough to put it out. Yeah, I, yeah exactly, exactly. And it's like, and you know what? And, and this this might sound fucking interesting and weird, and but it's like, you know, recently, I forget what it was. Like, Robbie hit me up about like, hey, man, Kip Winger's doing this thing, you know, because you guys would do that cruise sometime, and he's doing, they judge this uh, guitar competition. I know he's done it. He's done it. And and, and he's he, he basically asked through me if, if you would, if you would be a judge and and um, and do on this thing, and Robbie starts telling me right away as a manager was like, and I was like, Robbie, stop. He's like, you don't have to fucking explain anything to me. Of course I'm gonna be there. I'll do it. He's like, yeah, but it's a whole video. I'm like, I'm there. And then I explained to him, I go, let me explain something to you. 
Winger was the first fucking band that gave us a fucking slot on a tour when Extreme was fucking shit and nobody knew who the fuck we are. It was one of the first fucking... I'll never forget that. I will never forget the experience. I'll never forget like being in those crowds. I'll never forget how nice he was to me. I'll never forget how he'd come backstage all the time. What do you guys need? What do you need? Like that, I will... I will if he wants me to help him shovel his fucking driveway, I'm shoveling his fucking driveway. <laughs> you don't forget those things. And by the yeah. way, he's a fucking beautiful man. Great man. And, and and all that shit that happened with them and Winger and the fucking shit with Beavis and Butthead and the fucking t-shirts and all that stuff. The shit that they went through and everything else. And knowing Kip even now and how watching him perform and play and knowing those guys and being on some of those gigs that we do, man. I, you, you don't there's, – there's a connection. It's the same – there's a connection that – when we all started together and we went through something, we were in the battleground together, we should be there for each other when, when we're in the shit as well. Yeah. Because we don't all, we don't all, the careers don't go the same way. The tra- trajectory is different, but we're the same fucking people. And you shouldn't look at, because I've been on the other side. I've been on the other side where I've met somebody and I and I, I thought they were my friends and they're in the business and they're artists. I'm not going to mention names. And I've reached out to them to do this concert for Earth thing, but it's, the fuck, it's for their planet as well. And yeah, that's like, coming up in July, right? In, yeah, in the well, Azores? It, was supposed to, it was supposed to be 20, 2020, and yeah. we're now trying to make it 2021. We're all, every artist, everybody's sitting there going like, are we doing it? Are we? Yeah. No, can, how can we do it? But my point being is that I'm talking people that said they had my poster in their room, and they won't even respond to my ask to even tell me no, to even tell me I'm not available. To, like, don't, like, zero, like, go away. And people that I've gone, that's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. It's like, dude, if I fucking be there in two seconds for you, man. Like this is a, not only a big deal. This is for my family as well. This is for all of us. But yeah, for you and the relationship we had and what we went through together, I'm there. I don't well, if you need up. somebody to host that thing, I'll hey, learn Portuguese. There you go. There you I go. will be there. There you go. Well, you know what? It's We're, we're going to stream it. We want to stream it globally. So we might need. There you go. You just gave me I'm in. Idea. All right. Oh man! Well, All Nuno, right. I, you've been so generous with your time, and it's been so great to see you. Yeah, um, And you know, the podcast is turning into this thing that I kind of never imagined that it would be. And, and it, as it should, as it should. If you told me when you said when you said I got to get who's going to come in, I'm like, just look in the mirror, man. There you are. Like you, you got to sometimes when we want to do. I even have logos now. Look. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Well, send me a damn T-shirt, will you? I give me the address. I have them now. I launched okay. the website last week. It's unbelievable. Awesome. I have awesome. coffee mugs and everything now. It's <laughs> I, love, I, I feel it. like a rock star now. That, that's right. Well, you are. You always been a rock star. Well, thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to hear the record. I know you won't send it to me because you know I'll tell everybody about it. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm. You know, I, I wanted. I was telling Robbie. I wanted to do the opposite. I'm like. Right before we were doing it, like, I want to get in, I want to fly or have people come in. I want to have, like, little listening parties with people that we give a shit about that, like, Hell yourself. Yeah. And do, like, you know, ha- have a drink and, like, sit up in my studio and, like, just play the album from top to bottom and just, like, just vibe on it. Like, instead of just, like, well, here's the first single and here's what's going to be. Just to, like, celebrate it with some people that yeah. in the business that you care about. I was even talking to Morel, like, I want to get a bunch of guitar players and people. I want to see what they little, like, brutalize me. Let's listen to the album. What do you think of this? Like, you know. <laughs> Like get in there and, 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 and do our round table. Like, but I'm dying to do those things. And of course I, we were going to do those things. And then boom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> then everything just 2020 happened. That's all So we is. still will. We still will. Well, well when we'll, you do we'll, it, we'll come on your podcast. In. We'll play a bunch of songs and, and go over them and share them. I would them love everybody. it. Yeah, I would absolutely. love it. And if it takes me coming to California to come out and hear it, I'll do it. Okay. 
I don't. Uh, I don't have to be like. I can. You can be anywhere. But I I'm, can I'm, be I'm, anywhere. We're all, we're all saying that though. Now, no, no, fuck you. I need to travel. I need to get home. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get back to Massachusetts. You're like, no, I want to leave. No, no I, I want to come leave. to California. You're like, before, I just want to be in Hudson. Before before we couldn't get anybody to go anywhere. Now we're all like begging. Can I come in and do it? They're like, what? You want to get on a plane? Yeah, I need to get the fuck out of my. Yeah. House. Can I please <laughs> just come visit? Like, I'm getting ready to rent an RV and go yeah. on a road trip. I'll just yeah. quarantine in the truck. Yeah, exactly. Oh exactly. my God. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And I'm hoping that I'm we so are, pumped to show you. I'm now now that the vaccine has started to roll out yeah. and, and New Year's is, you know, just a week away, it's like all I can do is hold out hope that twenty twenty one is gonna bring something. Yeah. And I just at least we know it's the beginning, it's a hopeful beginning at least. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I right now I'm allowing myself to be optimistic until I get yeah. kicked in the nuts again. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, doubt. but this look, year has been a little bit of everything. It's a bit of everything. And, and we have to we, we, look, I'm hoping we're going to look uh, other than anybody losing their lives and the families that are obviously, gone through what they yeah. do. Obviously, you know, I don't I don't want to sound callous to that. I've, I haven't I've, I've had some friends. I've had some people that have gone through it as well. And, you know, I've been bunkering down here and I haven't gone to a restaurant since March. I've been like really you know, wiping shit down. Grocery. A friend of mine, Paul thing. Mercurio, he's a writer for Colbert. He's a stand up comic. He is uh, going to be on the podcast next week. Oh, awesome. And he is still struggling with COVID six months later. Six months later. So yeah, it's, why, it's not why, even look, just a fear of death. Yeah, you it's, know, it's, one, it's, it's one of those. It's be afraid to get it and deal with it. Yeah, because it's, everybody's like, are you down? Are you not down? I'm like, look, let's talk. Can we? Is common sense not common anymore? What the hell's going on here? It's, we're not talking about Santa Claus here, whether he exists or he doesn't exist. We're talking about something that exists that we're not sure about. So what do you do when you're not sure about? You're careful. It's not about mass. I'm, I'm anti-mask. I mean, stop fucking being. Why does everything have to be a fucking movement? I want to. I'm done with movements. Yeah. Like, let's pull together and work out what we need to work out to get through it together. Stop picking a side. It's just like a mask is just a precaution. This is just a precaution. This is just so because my dad, you know, basically that I know, Marty O'Brien, that we probably all know who plays with Lita Ford and everything, who's from her, his mom just passed away. <gasps> yes, she didn't die from COVID, but it's COVID related. She got COVID and she passed away. So cut the bullshit. It's like, it's like, it's real. And he probably didn't think it was so real until that moment either, even though he did everything he was supposed to. But when you lose somebody, it's fucking real as can be. And it denies you, you, even if it's not COVID related, it denies you the ability to to mourn properly. It denies you the ability to to commemorate the loss, to the closure, the community. Like you, you miss out on everything. So just pull together, do the things that sound, if it's common sense to you, you know, it's right. You know what to do. Stop fucking bullshitting. You know what to do to stay safe, what not to do. Yes. It's hurting us. It's hurting touring. It's hurting financial. It's hurting everybody's jobs. It's hurting everything. But you know, listen, this is not new. This is not fucking new. How many plagues and, and viruses and should have been going on for thousands of years? Come on, man. Stop acting like it's some fucking new world order shit. This is happening. The, the reason the flu, the same shit happened. Ebola, fucking AIDS. We've been fortunate it. that it hasn't been this bad in a hundred years. Yeah. And that's yeah. because of science that we've yeah. been that sheltered from something this bad for a long time. Absolutely. I end my video show every Tuesday night with the saying that started back on episode one, don't lick anything weird and wash your damn hands. There you go. You can add this one. I'm adding one to you. Uh, I said it the other day by accident, but I'm sticking to it. It was, uh, I put it at the end of an email. I'm like, wait, we should put that out somewhere. It's, uh, it was, uh, uh, stay positive, test negative. 
Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Take that one. Take that one. Take it. I'm taking it and running, Nuno. All right. Listen. Thank you we so go, much. Yeah, yeah. Before we go, is this, I'm I'm ending this damn show by saying that. Oh, hey. I, 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 I'm by saying that your your husband. What's your husband's name? Paul. Paul. To say to Paul and to say to everybody in the military. This and this isn't this isn't a uh, this isn't one of those uh, public service announcements. It isn't. It's one of those things that just doesn't get said enough. That it's like. I, I I recently we recently did a performance in Denver that was for the troops that we did with Extreme and I almost I cried through everything and it was just supposed to be a concert with a bunch of troops having beers and barbecue. No and more shit. passionate rock fans in the world than an audience full of military. Members, I'm telling right? you, man. I I have I have the utmost and the reason I have the utmost man admiration and and all the cliches that come out the calling them superheroes and all this stuff is because it's a fact. It's not it it, it it's like and one of the main reasons because. We all have a skill set and a frame of mind to be able to put ourselves in a certain place to be able to do something. And I'm not that guy. I'm not. I'll be the first to admit it, man. I I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know. I, I, if, look, if I'm want to put me with a, a gun in front of my house and somebody's coming to take my family, I'm there right, right with you. But to have the psyche of anybody in the military, male and female, to say, to say volunteer, okay? Their lives that they're not going to just. Everybody thinks I'm volunteering to be in the military. Fuck that. No, what you're volunteering to do is I'm volunteering, and I try to think of it in my mind. And I had this conversation with a few of the troops after the show in my in, in our dressing room. I said, "You have to leave your house, not knowing if you're coming back when you get sent somewhere. You don't. You're willing to leave that family, possibly to 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 be injured, to lose your life." Would to, you sign a blank check and hand it to a stranger on the street? Exactly. That's exactly, exactly. what they did yeah. and yeah. left it for all of us to decide when we cash it and how much it's for. Exactly. That's what they've done. And it's like that. And I feel that with people that do that, that, that are willing to sacrifice their bodies, their minds, their, 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 their lives, to just to turn the light switch off on behalf of their country, on behalf of the people they love, and doing it if their families are their inspiration, or if their communities are their inspiration, or just the country is their inspiration. We get so caught up on this like uh, patriot patriotism shit that it's either right or left or it's fucking bizarre. No, it's somebody. Let's recognize it for what it is. It's a human being that's willing to risk their lives for all of us. And he's been and in the it, military it, a long time. The president's changed a bunch of times since he enlisted. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's not a political thing. No, it's it's not. And, 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 and it's not. And I know most military that I've met and I've known in my family are not about that. It's it's a way of life. And it's, it's something somebody has to do it. Somebody has to protect us. Somebody has to. You know, I tell people all the time, it's like. You know, they the second you bring up military, and, and 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 I'll mention one other thing. The second they bring up military, they go like, "Yeah, but you know, the word war comes up." And I'm like, "Let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you know why there isn't a lot of war more than there is? For the same reason that you can take a walk outside in your neighborhood and you wonder why there's not a lot of crime in your neighborhood, it's because the police are there. It's the same thing. You guys just equate war with military." Boom, and what it is, and in countries invading, doing stuff. No, 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 no. It's about presence, and it's about somebody looking after you as, and, and about the existence of it so you are protected, so it doesn't break out as much, so it doesn't, so you don't get bullied, so you don't, so if, 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 if there was no police force, if there was no teachers in the schoolyard, whatever it is, it's a bloodbath. It's over. It's done. Now, granted, the, for the people who hear this, they're going to go like, oh, my God, he's, he's for the police. He's not about what... Go fuck yourselves. What I'm for is, like I said, 
You are responsible for yourself. If there is a doctor who did the wrong surgery or he put the wrong thing and he's an alcoholic and he fucked you up, he needs to go to fucking jail and he needs to be lose all his license shit let. A cop, the same thing. If a cop does the wrong thing to somebody and fucks them up outside of the law and does whatever, I am in agreement with you. They need to be punished, jailed, whatever it is for just like a civilian or anybody else. No hiding, no nothing else. You mess with another human being's life, sorry, you cross that fucking line. Whatever uniform, uniforms do not matter in that case, military or otherwise, okay? But by the same fucking token, we better be celebrating the ones the good who are doing ones. Their, the good ones who are doing their motherfucking job. Don't sit here and just blame the small percentage of the cancer that does exist. I agree with you for yeah. too long, far too long. There are too many precincts, too many things going on with protection, all this stuff. It's got to change. But do not, you do when there's when there's a cancer in the body, you don't take down the whole body. You go get rid of the fucking cancer, and that's it. And 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 too much the police and military and everybody else get put in that same bin that a, a police officer leaves his house every day. Every time he goes up to give a ticket, he has no idea when that window rolls down if a gun is going to blow his motherfucking head off. I know I'm swearing like crazy, but when I swear- That's a podcast. We can say fuck all we want. It's great. But, but, but imagine that job. Imagine that job just for a second, that you are assigned that you're going to go to a door. You don't know what's going to come through the door. You are going to go to a car. You don't know what's going to come through well, the door. Well, you're going to see people on their worst day every day. Every day. You're That's not called, your job. You're not called to take the kitty out of the fucking tree. The fire department's called for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like- it's And we like love the firefighters And we too. love the firefighters as well. But I have to say, the firefighters are always beloved. because right. they're they run always into the, the heroes. They're always the heroes because they run into the burning building. And so they should. But I'm sorry. Same thing goes for, for our police yeah. officers. They run into the unknown. At least the firefighters know what their enemy is. And they know it's a fire. And they know that there's, they know what they're getting into. Every time a police officer walks walks into anything, he has no idea. Stabbed, shot, this, that, or who well, knows. Same thing with the military. It could you same could turn around and the person shooting at you is a kid. You don't know. You know, it's yeah. like you don't know. And 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 I'm down for, but I'm down for all all the shit that the reform. I'm down for anything because it's, look, we've heard stories. You know, look, even even an American sniper, the you know the true story. We've heard stories that people. You know, that people can lose their shit and cops can lose their shit and military, what they go through, they might be ill or something goes on and they might kill one of their own. Who who knows? Or they might kill a civilian. We know that as hum, as a human race, we got to st- get off our fucking high horses because we point at cops, we point at this. We're all fucked. We all got our issues. We all got our weaknesses that we deal with. We all got Nobody's our, perfect. Nobody's perfect. We got anger for this or whatever. And some people shouldn't be in certain jobs. There's waiters that come in there rude to you and they fucking horrible. And who knows if they spit in your food or whatever. There are doctors, bad dentists, bad fucking post office people, bad all of us. Bad teachers, bad politicians, bad, bad teachers, everybody. There are people that, there are teachers that are, that are, that are, that are, that are raping their kids. There are, there are shit going on, ugly shit everywhere. But- you shouldn't be guilty by association. A human being should not be punished for another human being's behaviors. Just like any, uh, uh, shouldn't be same thing with with a, 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 a black man should not be discriminated against because of another black man's behavior as a white man, as a Chinese, as anybody else. We all, yeah, there are systemic shit that's been happening for a long time that needs to change maybe in the system and and, and how this core systems work. I'm all I'm down for all the common sense. Equality, equality, equality. Well, it's a nuanced thing. And in the world we live in, a nuanced argument doesn't fit in a tweet. No, so it's it it's hard to have nuance for anything exactly. anymore. Exactly. It's so hard to have nuance. I'm, I have great conversations. I have 
so many beautiful black friends and, 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 and Spanish friends and we have great debates and we go in and we, you know, we're trying to solve our, our, you know, all this race stuff and world problem. We have debates, we disagree on some things, we do it, but we, we end up going, you know what, this is a fucking great talk. This is what needs to happen. We need to have more conversations. But they all tell me, even, even my closest black friends literally hit me up privately, have said to me, thanks for posting the words you said about the police officers because I can't say that. I can, right. And I'm a black man, and I cannot say that. My aunt is a black is a black police officer. She says, and she's been amazing. And I have there's so many great officers that I know, and they risk their lives. And even and I and I grew up in a shitty neighborhood. And the only reason that only even in a bad way, 20% were were in gangs and, and getting killed is because the police were there. It would be 50, 60, 70%. And this is something I can't experience. I can't tell you what it's like to be a black man living in fucking Compton or else. I'm not going to pretend to do that. But I can only have common sense conversations and learn from any of my black musicians, friends, anybody in, in, the, in the black culture that's grown up in these areas that like, this is what they agree with. This is what they think is bullshit. This is what they love about Black Lives Matter. This is what they hate about Black Lives Matter. Well, you're but, learning these you know, same lessons when it comes to women. Because you now have a daughter and you're watching the world interact with her in a way that you would have never seen because you're a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. And that's where we're always learning. That's the thing I, I, you know, I I said to, to all my friends of any race that I have, I say, man, I think I have my opinions of what's right, but man, like school me if I'm, if on something I don't know, like, let me know, like, tell me, you don't know what the fuck you're talking because this is what it was like growing up around police in my neighborhood or police here or when I do go out my fears because now I understand it and I get it and I and you learn from that and and but these discussions need to happen more and more you know what I don't want to hear is like speaking to a white friend of mine not too long ago who lives in in New England somewhere and he says and, and he's talking about you know uh, what's happening with 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 what's with the riots and everything that's going on and and, and I'm talking to him about it and he says and I said to him I go you know do you have you know, are you, he says to me, Noon, you know what? I, I never thought I was racist until now. He said, he goes, he goes, I don't think I, I was, but I am now. And I'm like, why would you say that? Why would you say Because, because everything I tried to do as a white man, he said, was I thought was I didn't discriminate against my black friends or I have them over at my house. They, I looked at them as like friends. And if I don't see that they're black, they're telling me, See, you're not recognizing black. I'm racist. If I see you as black, I'm racist. If I if I if I support a certain thing, or if I don't like, I don't know. If I tell them that I never thought of you guys this way, my own black friends say this way. They say, "Well, you just don't know it. You're racist." And then I and then it makes them go like, "Well, what the fuck? Why am I all of a sudden the bad guy when I've tried my whole life to just be me, and I've never looked at them in a bad way, black, Hispanic, or anything else?" But I'm being told now by my own kids, Dad, it's just an, it's just you are. But this is why A, B, C, Y, and Y. And where we're like, well, that's not fair. I get why you want to say maybe the court systems or something like that happens or whatever. But I've never shown anything. I've never you. What 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 a lot of the younger generation I try to tell my daughter that says when you say to somebody you're a racist, to you it's a political term. Yeah. It's a, it's a term you're doing. For our generation, it's like saying we're part of the fucking KKK. Well, especially growing up where you and I grew up, where we grew up learning our history of being on the right side of the war, on the right side of history. We didn't, that wasn't, we're not sitting around, go, the South will rise again. Like, like, 
we live miles away from where the revolution started. Like we've been on the right side of this history the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And so we were taught, we were taught differently. We were yeah. taught that that's what it was. So, but, but, but my point being is it, it's not to say that they can't be a racist person, but my point is, is like terminology nowadays gets more focused than what it means. And so I try to say somebody that we had a great conversation that when, if you're going to call me a racist, you got to be careful because yeah. coming Born Don't in the throw 60s, that term around. Born in the 60s and 70s, that's like you telling me that I just hung somebody in the back motherfucking yard. And that is not me. Sorry to say. But they say, no, but that's not what it meant. But you got to be careful because it's in like our generation. It's like the word Nazi gets thrown yeah, around. Like, it, it, and it's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, that word like has meaning, dude. That word has meaning just like it, certain words in black culture have meaning to them. It also has meaning in a certain way that puts us as the most evil person on the fucking planet. It's like equating, saying I'm a racist, equating me to fucking Hitler, saying I want to kill 8 million Jews. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not that guy. I might have my weaknesses and maybe I can learn about other cultures a little bit better. But to say that, oh, you're racist for saying that, that's heavy. That's, that's really, and really And cancel heavy. culture is something where there's no way to come yeah. back from that label. Once you get labeled it, it's like, that's what, that's all you are. And, and sometimes it can just be that you're asking questions because you, you know, I mean, you know, this is central Massachusetts, like growing up in the seventies or, you know, whatever it was like, you come from an immigrant family and my family were immigrants too, but we were kind of sheltered in the central Massachusetts area and yeah, we might not yeah. know things just because- We kind of we kind of heard about Roxbury, the stuff that happened there. But, but we, we didn't it, experience it. We didn't experience it. And I sure as hell didn't it. know what was going on in South Central LA in the 80s. No. no. I was in no. Lemonster listening to, you know, fucking Bon Jovi albums. I didn't Pat know what Benatar, was going bon on. Pat Jovi and yeah. fucking- <laughs> You know, Pat Benatar actually playing it in Fitchburg. What was that club in Fitchburg? I can't remember the old club that closed. I was too young to go in. But like she's playing, like that's what we were. We were, we were, you know, in a, in a rock and roll, in a, in a rock and roll towns, you know, like kind of blue collars or even. And rock and roll was always that way that like it, it, the, the race of it, like rock and roll was something that it didn't really, I mean. Jimi Hendrix, it was like, yes, he's black, but he's Hendrix. He's Hendrix. Yeah, we didn't see it that way. It's like, like it's it, even when, it's even when I had this conversation with the guys, you know, from, you know, you know, King's X or Living Color, you know, Doug being black and everything. And it's like, they were just the dopest band ever. It ever. was like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And, 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 like and you're if Vernon I say Reed, that, like you're black, and I, and I, but you're Vernon Reed. Exactly. And if I say that to Vernon, who, who was going to play at the, at the, uh, and hopefully still will at, uh, at the concert earth. We have these conversations. It's like he knows what he has to do and what he went through and what his version of this is. But for me, I told him it was hard for me to go like to see you as a black man. Not that I didn't want to recognize you as a black man. I just saw you as a fucking killer guitar player, a killer band with a killer singer, just like I looked at any other band. But once you if you dive in a little bit deeper and you start looking at the lyrical content and you did everything else, then maybe you can feel and they can educate you and feel what it was like and talk about some of the songs and, and read the interviews like what you would do with, with a Vernon Reed or something else. And he can talk about what Black Lives Matters means to him so we can get more of an understanding of like, wow, being a musician, what does that mean to you? Yeah, what you was know, it what like for you to tour? I mean, did you yeah. see that movie, The Green Book? <gasps> yeah, of course. Oh of course. my God. Yeah. And, for, like and, th and that's the thing, like I watched that with my daughter and even though it was like, it wasn't even my generation, it was a generation before me or maybe a couple, but even it hurt me. Yeah. It hurt her. But I go, she almost looked at me. It's like, hey, I wasn't there. This isn't, this yeah, isn't this is like. before my time. I wasn't even born. I'm like, but but it's like right now kids just believe anybody that's past the age of 30 would like yeah. all 
all like we were like burning crosses and shit. Like, relax. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It, it hurts us to see that. It hurts us yeah. to see anything for people with any sort of heart or any common sense that, that any, any human being who sees another human being, I don't give a fuck what his skin tone is, being hurt or being discriminated against in a restaurant, it hurts. If it doesn't hurt you, There's then you are racist. There's a lot of empathy required in today's day and age, and empathy is in short supply in a lot of ways. And it's yeah. like, you know, we're being asked to... to try and put ourselves in someone else's shoes and that's hard it's hard and, 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 the, and the the first step to doing that is admitting it's like look just like me talking to you know i spoke to a really close friend of mine that i had spoken a long time that i met through rihanna and he was he's more on the business side and he hit me up and we had a great conversation it was supposed to be a quick catch-up you know like me and you yeah and then we, you know we ended up talking about just this for almost two hours because it was really interesting if like him hearing my perspective being, I don't know, an immigrant. I'm not even considered, I'm like, I, I, I was telling him, is it true that if I'm not black, I'm white? Or am I other? Am I Portuguese? I'm like, I don't even know. Like I literally, something we released the other day in the New York Times that said, the Portuguese now are considered, uh, they're, not, they're not considered white. They're, they're uh, I forget what it was. It was- uh, Mediterranean it, it was, or, uh, or- We were, I don't know if it was, it was non-white or non, it was something that I was like, great. Okay, so now I'm not officially, but I was, he was laughing at that bottom because he goes, Nuno, I never considered you white. And I said to him, why is that? I go, I, I, I was really interested for him to tell me, is it because I'm an immigrant, a Portuguese immigrant from another country? Or is it because you don't see me as white because I'm, I don't know, not typically, is it a race thing or is it because of my beliefs or because me and you are good friends? Or because I, I was, and, we, and that really, that's a really good question, he said. Yeah. He goes, that's a really good question. I go, because most people believe that I'm 99.99% white, although I got one of those DNA things back from our family. And apparently I am also uh, African and I do have uh, black blood in me, a very small percentage, but from the part of Africa, from because of Portugal and how close it was to the Northern African bit. We have, we have this lineage, but we were laughing about it. It's not nothing to laugh about, but it can't, you know, you got to keep light of it. But it's well, it's interesting things. how, you know, I mean, what is it, 20 something years since they isolated the human genome and now you can spit in a tube, mail it out and find out where you evolved from as a human being. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. And, 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 it and you know, look, I'm, I've always, I, we, we, we ended with me and him ended with the conversation saying, look, man, it's simple math. It's so simple. It's one of those things that there are good, there are good people, bad people. And I like to believe that the majority are good people. As a matter of fact, I do believe that. I do I just believe, believe that too. I just believe that there's no ratings of followers in the ba- in, in the good. It's like good people are boring. Yeah. Bad people are more exciting. The news is more exciting when it's bad. Well, if you have exciting. a ba- if you have a meal at a restaurant and it's delicious, you might tell a couple people. But if it was terrible, you'll tell you'll like twenty. Tell, you, you post it. You, yeah, you, you, exactly. you hashtag it. Yeah, exactly. But but, but and uh, and and so. Uh, and, and so the, the idea was that we, we came to the conclusion that it's like somehow that good has to be celebrated as well as just the bad or else if it's just the bad that's just always promoted and always bad, it, it's like it seeps into the good. Yeah. It, 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 starts, it starts being toxic to even the people, the people that we have hope for because I'm always of the mind that if there's a movement here that's right and then you got the bad here, there's still that third percent that this movement needs to, to do the right thing. And if we isolate them and we make it, no, this is just about me, when that's not doing it together. 
we, we need to do things together to get them to come through. And well, that's, that's what why, I think the rock community know, is this amazing yeah. example for all the reasons that you're talking about is that it, that was the thing that was the common thread that held everybody together was this love of the music. And it brought everybody young, old, black, white, male, female, and everybody yeah. in between. And you were all in that moment in the crowd, sharing that experience together and it's like, when did you think the rock community would be the fucking example for the rest of the world to follow? We we were supposedly the freaks and the outcasts. I know. We were supposed to be the freaks. And really, at the end of the day, it was like we found common ground. Yeah. And, and common ground. And it's like, you know, even though we loved any, from James Brown to Prince, to anybody who had any sort of diversity, it was the music that connected us and, and made it, it made everything you know, which is now a bad word, colorblind in a sense, meaning that we just love the person for who they were and what yeah. they created and what they wrote. But the behind the scenes stuff, whether that person like a James Brown or like a uh, little Richard, you know, little or... Richard, or anything, and the, st the struggles they had, yeah, and even and even whether it's oh, ten years ago or twenty years ago, we can only learn from them that it's like we to not seep it into the good, to yeah. not seep it into what's good about you getting on stage. And, and, and do everything because that's what they were fighting for. And that's what all we wanted sleeping in a rehearsal space or trying to, you know, guys that I know trying to survive overdoses and heroin and shit. Like, it's like you just, the music is what was there for you. It was the, it was the guiding light. And so what is, what is the math? The math is, is like finding common ground, even on the stuff we might disagree with. Okay. You, you want to be vegan? You're a meat eater. I don't expect you to stop barbecuing because you grew up in fucking Texas all of a sudden in one week. But I can't look at you as being the bad person because that's what you were brought up. That's You're a meat eater. But maybe, just maybe, if we talk about it, maybe what it's doing to the planet, maybe we can do less. Maybe maybe the animals, it doesn't have to be so cruel. Maybe we can dwindle it down. It, the, 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 maybe it, it, it's, you know, what's happening in the rainforest. Instead of it just going, oh, fuck that, this is all bullshit. It's like, no, the shit's disappearing to farm meat. Maybe we can pull it back. Maybe... We, we all want to breathe, right? We all want to breathe and we want our kids to breathe when we're gone. It's just find these common sense things where it's like if we maybe saw an ad, like when we see an ad about a fucking documentary about the planet, everybody turns that shit off and they're like fucking sea levels rising a fucking centimeter. You know, regular dudes and regular chicks are like, now, okay, Tom Brady and Giselle. I, 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 can't, I can't fucking wrap my head around that shit. I just can't. But maybe if I saw an ad that was like, I don't know. Me and you, we got a couple of kids in the back and we're barbecuing and they're in a, they're in a pool and then a, a truck pulls up and you following these guys with, you know, with, with all their, their, their recycling, their plastic and they're whittling it down our driveway. Then they get to the pool and they start dumping it into the pool while our kids are in there. And I'm like, me and you're like, what are you, do what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? These, this is my, 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 this is my house. This is my pool. This is my water. My kids. I'm like, what, what do you mean? This is. This is what we're all doing, and they're like, yeah, this "No, is where the this is where plastic goes. This is where it goes." And they they're like, "Like, oh, you you just don't see it. It's yeah. not happening in your house." Or a family's in their fucking living room, like Amber right now, watching TV all together, and then and they hear know. Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> and they see those dogs, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my god, that's really happening in this world!" Like, how many times have you heard Sarah McLaughlin and seen those commercials for the ASPCA, yeah. and you're like, "Who the?" Fuck would do that to a dog? Yeah, exactly. Or who's gonna who's gonna like take a, a hose from the car while your whole family's watching TV and take the hose from the exhaust, wrap it into the living room, and just all this, this starts coming in there, carbon monoxide. And you're like, and you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is what's happening. 
And they're yeah. like, no, it isn't. But, but it treat, is. But it is. So you, the idea is that if we can shrink it, where our whatever we wouldn't want to do in our houses, treat our country, our earth as our house, you wouldn't believe the shit that we would well, fight Well, look at how it do. was when you and I grew up. How common was it that somebody would just throw shit out the window? Like you'd go to McDonald's, get a burger, and throw the wrapper out throw the window. Throw a fucking wrapper out. Throw that food, used to whatever. happen all the time. Yeah. And then it was, you know, give a hoot, don't pollute. And it was, you know, they came. Yeah, the, the, the Indian with the tear in his eye. The, yeah. No, no, no. Up until that point, it was like, what? Just throw the trash out. Like, yeah, what's the yeah. big deal? So, so I mean, I, we have made progress. It's but it ba- just you know what it is? The you. word is balance. The word is yeah. balance. Everybody's got to stop being so extreme, pardon the pun, including me. Ah, like, so extreme. There. No, but literally like, there's the plug. <laughs> but honestly, stop being so damn extreme in the sense where it's like, it's either you're either in or out or it's black yeah. or white or it's fucking vegan or meat or whatever it is i get it you have your beliefs and you love everybody to be vegan but you have to think to yourself you can't tell them you're an ugly human being because you're having a fucking hot dog you've lost them at that point oh yeah it's over the no, conversation's you sit down over and you go what tastes better this steak that came out Check of a factory farm or yeah. this steak that got raised in a local farm where the cows were treated nice exactly. which one tastes better in the parking lot of gillette which one? Exactly. I exactly. promise you the one that was locally even, raised tastes exactly. way better. Or, or even like, you know, okay, lately I've been I've been hitting on impossible meat. Like not 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 the burgers, just the actual meat, the ground beef. I've been doing shit like, you know, spaghetti and meat, like bolognese and meatballs, and I actually like it better. I'm like, cool. Somebody in even, your family just had a heart palpitation with you saying that. Like, yeah. oh God. But the thing is, though, I've done it where I've done the same thing. You do the same ingredients and everything that you would make your bowl. And if people are eating it thinking it's bolognese and you don't tell them after, I'm like, fuck, I love that. I'm going to make that. Why not? Meaning what? Meaning I didn't go like, you're an evil doom. Yeah. You're horrible for what you're doing eating that thing. Teach them. Give them an option. Show them. Have a fucking convention of meaters, meat eaters and vegans unite. and Let's fucking teach each other why we're doing what we're doing and how we can do it better. I don't know. Stop you got a the garden fucking- out there yet? Are you growing tomatoes out there? Come on, Nuno. You got a garden some, in the backyard? Growing, we're growing, we're growing some, uh, some basil, some seasons. I got a lemon tree. <laughs> Do you? Got some uh, avocados. Come on, man. See, I got, the, I got the veggie garden outside the window of the studio. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I go out there when I get a little stressed or when I got to get out from behind the screen and I'm out there pinching my basil and <laughs> weeding the tomatoes. It's like it's, it's a thing. It's a thing, it's man. It's good for you. It's, it, it, it is good. So, listen – Balance, balance, everybody, yeah. balance, man. We know, we know what when we eat too much shit and when we don't. Cut the bullshit. Don't, yeah. don't tell yourself. You know when something's not good for you, but you deserve it. Have a fucking pizza once in a while, whatever yeah. it is. But you know when you have pizza six days straight. You know what that's gonna, so. Don't come surprised later that you're like, oh shit. Man, well, the I best guess. part is like I'm not getting the Corona vaccine because I don't know what's in it. But hold my beer while I go to McDonald's drive-through and get a McRib. Wait, what? That's right. George Car- George Carlin used to say that he goes like, I'm not drinking the water in that tone or whatever, so I'm going to order a Coke instead. <laughs> it's like, great. It's going to burn. And, you know, I love, hey, I love a Coke just like anybody else with a pizza, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to drink the water. It might be dirty, so I'm going to have all these chemicals and acid and burn my stomach. The world stomach and- needs George Carlin more today than it ever did. Oh, fuck. He was right. He was so right. He was right so about right about everything. Everything. So right. We need him. So he'd probably be the fucking president right now if he were still alive. Oh, he alive. would be an amazing president. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, that would be a speech I would want to hear when he got inaugurated. That's for sure. So these are the words we can't say. Motherfucker shit, piss. He'd be like, yeah. 
<laughs> and and you anyway. know what? Like that was a famous bit for him. And people always ask me now that I'm in the podcast and I can say whatever I want. I'm like, but the words, it wasn't just the words. It was the context of it. Like I could tell you, ah, don't be a pussy, but I couldn't tell you to eat mine. That's the, that's the analogy that's, that wow, I use. That's it. That's so smart. That's so it's so true. It's the same thing. Like you'd be stop being a dick and you could say that, but you couldn't yeah. talk about putting one in a place. Yeah, it was all in the context. It's all in the intent and intent and the context. Damn. Yeah, it was all in like in exactly how are you? But the pussy one always got everybody. It's like I could call you a pussy all day long. That's so true. Like, but as soon as I talked about mine, boom, FCC fine. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah, I used to that. I used to find a way to get out, and uh, and I think I taught a bunch of my friends or people in, in Hudson High that like when you when you. When you got pissed off or you you lost your shit and you said like you were like fuck you like you were like in, in the teachers in class or whatever I always to be like fuck crying out loud <laughs> I used to find ways to get out of Do you know how hard it was for me to not say fuck for twenty two years on the air? That's crazy, dude. That's a that's a I could really never hard. I would I could never do that I could never do that. The, that's why I always I, the headphones were always a hint for me. It's why I always used to make the bands wear them. Because it was a physical reminder that you were on the air having the headphones on. And then it was kind of like, oh, wait, I have headphones on. This is not normal. I can't say what I would normally say. And But now that's all out the window because I can say whatever I want now. Yeah, Which has been kind of liberating. And by, it's, it is liberating. But by the way, it's a skill set. When you don't, uh, a comedian said it once, swearing is good, but it can be used, it can be used as a crutch, as a device yeah. to make things more impact and more yeah. cool or whatever it is. If you can... Fu- if you can fucking do it without fucking swearing. The, the art is doing it without doing it. Yeah, if you can do it and make somebody laugh and do whatever, that's like that's the art of the, the voice and skill and everything yeah. else. Yeah. It's been an interesting right. learning curve. It was great catching up with you. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, you know, we've been on for a while, but now it's dark. It's dark I was gonna here. say, like for you, like I have my, I have acoustic window blinds and whatever in the studio, so that it's nice yeah, and quiet in it's, here. It's getting, the but sun's it's getting going down so dark on your end that I'm like, holy shit! Like we've been on the, we've been talking for a while. Yeah. Well, good. I appreciate good, you being though. so generous with all your time, Nuno. You it was too. great catching up. I'm glad that the family's healthy. Everybody's yeah. doing great, and I can't wait to find out when we're gonna get this extreme record and whatever plans you have. Yeah, Whatever like it is, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just exci- I'm just excited. I'm, you know, before when, I don't know if this ever happened before, but when we were younger, when we did songs, we couldn't wait to share it with people because it's a, hey, check this out to play it. Something yeah. you excited about, as opposed to when you got a record deal later, it was like, oh, we're releasing things to the public. But you still had your best friends or your things like, man, I just what we're working on. Check I it come out. Over just and because, just check it out. Yeah, listen, man, put on the phone, check this out. That's how I feel about this. I want to just, I just want to share the music. I don't. Whatever happens, happens. I just can't wait to like the fans and go like, man, check this out. This is what we did, you know, like in a yeah. kind of a, in a kind of a proud, like music, you know, band in a garage sort of way, like check out the shit we're working on. You know? Well, so, I can't, anyways. I can't wait till we can check it out. Absolutely. Well, stay safe. Uh, what yeah. was that? I forget already. Stay, uh, stay positive, test negative. Yeah, exactly. And, Don't lick uh, anything weird and wash your damn hands. I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll, well catch up soon. Merry ya. Christmas. Oh, Happy yeah. new year. Yeah. Here's well, to a 2021 that's a little bit better than 2020. Yeah, it couldn't be any worse. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it, right? All right. All right, see we'll ya. catch up Much soon. Love. We'll see you later. Bye. See you, bye-bye. There he is, the one and only Nuno Betancourt. If that interview were like 10 minutes longer, I'm pretty sure he and I would have found a way to cure cancer. We talked about everything. I cannot wait 
to hear the new Extreme album. He is so excited about it. Hopefully, we're going to get a release date in the new year. Check out the show notes section of this podcast. The corresponding playlist for episode 29 is fantastic. It rocks. And all of Nuno's links for his social media pages and, of course, extreme social media pages and website links are all in there as well. Huge thanks to Digital Federal Credit Union or DCU at dcu.org. And, of course, mistresscarry.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode of the Mistress Carry podcast. New episodes every Wednesday and Monday through Friday. Get a sit rep, a situation report, all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. And, of course, every Tuesday night, you can join me live on my Facebook page at 830 for cocktails in the war room. And I just want to wish all of our service members that are stationed around the world and away from their families this Christmas a very Merry Christmas. We love you and thank you for your service. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.